Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Swing and a ground ball right side. It's under the glove of Edmund. It's in the right. The game is tied. Here comes Castellanos. He'll score. And the Phillies lead it in the ninth. Gene Segura has come through. And the Phillies have scored three times to take the lead on the Cardinals. Oh, what a moment, what a moment, what a day, what a time, what an amazing afternoon. What a great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. Good morning, everybody. I'm Glenn Mack now with my pal Jody Mack. Jody, how are you today? I'd say pretty good, Mr. Mack. Pretty good estimate. Uh, Yeah, all is well in Philadelphia, at least for today. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, it is. By the way, Jody is in Mike uh, Sielski, who's normally uh, in that spot. On Saturday is flying to uh, Phoenix for tomorrow's Eagles-Cardinals game, so I am delighted that Jody can be here with me today to celebrate a surprising win by the Phillies yesterday, who beat the hated St. Louis Cardinals 6-3. to Epic comeback. They lead the series 1-0. They can win and advance tonight with Aaron Nola on the mound. I think it's with 8.30 start, something like that, right, Jody? 27, so okay, thereabouts. There All right, I want to go through this piece by piece Uh, yesterday, if we may. I'll I'll kind of set it up and you knock it out of the park. So first, Wheeler um, was great. By the way, had never been to the playoffs. Went six and two-thirds without allowing a run. Seventh inning allows a leadoff hit to, I love the names of these guys, Lars Newtbar. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That was in the first. He allowed the hit to Lars Newbar. Then he retired 15 of the next 16 hitters. Excuse me. Then he goes into the seventh inning, starts off well, um, and the manager decides to pull him at 96, 94 pitches. Did you have any issue at the moment with 96 pitches, by the way? First time he had thrown that in a long time. Did you have any issue at the moment at that time, Jody? with Rob Thompson. Without being able to talk to Wheeler himself, he had not gotten up to 100 pitches in his two rehab starts uh, after rehab starts, which both were basically phenomenal, but limited, and they watched to make sure that there was no fallback, so he could be available for game number one. So I thought it would be close to 100 pitches, and he was at close to 100 pitches. So without hearing it directly from Wheeler, I I can't find any fault with the way uh, Rob Thompson handled it. Yeah, and I'm I'm of the same of the same uh, mind. He got in a little bit of trouble in the sixth. He allowed the two base runners, and then Albert Pujols hit into the double play. By the way, I think Pujols still on his way to first base. On you, that. you you and I were texting at that time, and I was predicting a 
triple play, a line <laughs> shot down to third base because Albert is as slow as he is. And God bless Albert Pujols. He's the kind of guy that you can root for. Sorry, Albert, we can't root for you this week. But a phenomenal career and so glad he got the seven home run, 700 home runs. Oh, I was rooting for a laser one-hopper to third yeah. to go 5-4-3 triple play at the time. Yeah, well, it didn't happen, but gosh, he really got a double play. Yeah, the oh, next best thing. Yeah, they didn't slow. get three, but they got two. Yes. Oh, and by the way, nice defense by Alec Bohm in that inning and during the game. The corner butcher, as Ray named him, did his job at third base. Yes, it was good to Absolutely. see. Absolutely. All right, so Alvarado comes in, and Alvarado, he'd been great. Had not allowed a home run since July, had not allowed a run since August 23rd. Jody, he walks the first batter, and you know what that means? Yikes. Who the heck is Jose Yepes? I, and and we've seen this smack, and I know we got to give away today. We're going to kind of tie into this, but the unknown hero that comes up big in the postseason. I had, yes, heard this guy's name before. I couldn't give you a detailed scattering report on him. I know he's a bat off the bench for the Cardinals, but, man, did he time that pitch up perfectly. Yeah, he sure did. It's still moving. Anyway, so a 0-0 game turns into 2-0, and it's a problem because nobody's hitting uh, for the Phillies. Actually, let me backtrack for a moment. St. Louis manager Oliver Marmel, and imagine we're doing this show today in St. Louis, Jody. You know what we're talking about. He pulls the starter, Jose Quintana, uh, in the sixth, five and a third scoreless innings, just 75 pitches. Really did the Phillies a favor. He did, but in the same vein of Wheeler, that's what Quintana has been for them all year long. He's not coming off an injury the way that Wheeler was, but that's the way they've been using him and using him almost to perfection. The guy had been phenomenal, but that's what he is. He's a five-plus inning pitcher, and they thought that he was right at his limit at five and change. There weren't a lot of strikeouts in the game. Yes, there was a lot of soft contact, but that's a Quintana game. So I'm not going to sit here and, and uh, second-guess their manager okay. either because I think he's got as good a grasp. Quintana's been around for a decade, and he's a junk ball and lefty, and he's been an average pitcher at best. When he's good, he's average. When he's bad, he's why the hell is he in a rotation? And they acquire him, and he was phenomenal for yeah. them down the stretch. He was. So how do I sit now, sit there, and go, oh, my God, the manager screwed him up? Okay. That's fine then. I, I was not aware that 75 pitches is kind of his norm, but hey, if it is, great, because this really worked out for the Phillies. Uh, we go into the eighth inning. Eighth inning the Phillies bats are doing nothing. Well, they have two two hits, three hits yep. in the first eight innings. Giovanni Gallegos is pitching well in relief. Uh, the manager pulls him to go to Ryan Helsley for a five-out save. Um, which, again, I thought was early, but if that's the way he manages his pitching staff normally, fine. Helsley gets through the eighth. We go to the ninth. Reese Hoskins strikes out swinging. By the way, two pitches way out of the strike zone. He's chasing. Yeah. Helsley, it appears Helsley cannot throw a strike. So, Jody Mack watching in his living room. Basement. We are now in, in, I'm sorry, which room? The, the, the man cave downstairs. Man cave, fine, that's cool. That's with, with my daughter in tow, she nice. and I watched the game together, which oh, is great. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. That's, you know, the, you and your daughter haven't gotten to watch a Phillies playoff game since she was, what, a teenager? Since Brad Lidge threw his glove up in the air and uh, yeah. uh, hugged uh, Chu Truiz, as a matter of fact. Okay, so Helsley, I mean, you can see, even with Hoskins, he can't throw a strike, but there's one out in the ninth. The Phillies have nothing going. How are you feeling then? 
Not optimistic, being 100% honest. Uh, I'm looking for anything. I wasn't, uh, I didn't leave the room. I didn't go outside, grab a smoke. No, I hung tough and had belief, but would I have got into my pocket to make a wager on a game at that point? Absolutely not. Right. There's there's really not much basis to think anything is going to happen. And then, Jody Mack, JTL Real Muto, lines a single to left field. Not exactly a hard hit ball, but it gets there. Helsley's got to go to the stretch. Helsley can't throw a strike at all. Bryce Harper walks. Are you thinking at this point Helsley's just falling apart? Because I am. Hopefully. Uh, here's, and oh, by the way, and uh, I, I apologize to any of you Michael K and A-Rod fans out there, of <laughs> which in the Delaware Valley there may be two. It was a really tough listen. A-Rod is just terrible. Awful. Michael Kay's a professional announcer, but he's so tied to the Yankees, you can't you can't move away from it. But they were, I'll give him this nod, talking about the fact that Helsley got hurt uh, the last week of the season, took a bad step, fell on his hand, and was having some issues with one of his fingers. And, yeah, that's what I was hanging my hopes on, that this guy isn't 100% because he was no all-star closer this year. The guy was stone-cold dominant. Oh, numbers are great. Yeah, off the charts great. So, uh, to their credit, and I should have known this, and I didn't know it until I heard it on the broadcast, that he wasn't quite 100%. I'm hoping, man, I hope that finger's bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Something's going on because he cannot throw a strike. Then he walks Nick Castellanos, almost hits him in the head twice. And the manager leaves him in, and they don't have anybody warming up. Again, I'm not a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I don't know this guy Marmel, but if I were, I would have a lot of questions. Then comes Alec Bohm, pegs him in the shoulder. Uh, And at that point, because I want to talk what Rob Thompson did, he made an interesting decision, Jody. Uh, you're still down two to nothing. You got bases loaded, so your winning run is on first base. Is it two to nothing? It's yeah, two to nothing. Still two zip. Yeah. Um, and he puts in Sosa to pinch run for Alec Bohm, which didn't even occur to me, but he did. Your thoughts? Here's the surprising part. Um, usually you do that for the tying run. Yes. And and you decided by what. Uh, runner uh, needs to be most upgraded with speed. And you weren't about to pull Bryce Harper out of the game, and he was the time run. So, um, yeah, yeah you, you need to factor that in. Um, yeah, I was surprised. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was a bad move. I was more along the lines of, damn, I hadn't thought it. I had good job, Rob. Uh, that, exactly. Sosa, Sosa is faster. And, oh, by the way, even though Bohm had played well defensively prior to in the game, Sosa's a borderline gold glove guy. He's yeah. that good. So you're it's twofold. If you tie it up, you are upgrading your defense. Or even if you take the lead by one run, you're upgrading your defense for the bottom of the ninth. And, man, did that come back to pay off. Oh, it really comes back to pay off because the next hitter uh, – oh, and by the way, excuse me, at that point, finally – the St. Louis manager goes out and pulls um, uh, Helsley for this injury, which I don't know if they were stalling. I don't know if they were playing it up, but it did appear that one of the incentives was to allow his relievers a lot of time to warm up because he waited so long to get him up in a bullpen. Right. And I, I saw a lot on Twitter afterwards. Oh, my God, this is just such a farce, and this is uh, them stalling and giving a 
if it's true, that's part of baseball. And if the if the guy had no injury whatsoever, and this was just made up out of whole cloth, then I'd have a problem with it. That the, the umpire is being duped a little bit here. That they're doing this for a specific uh, reason. Oh no! Thank you very much for that bad finger, because one of the best closers in baseball couldn't come close to throwing a strike. Would you rather him be healthy? And the Cardinals have to play by the rules. I picked up on a lot of the complaining and whining that the Cardinals were doing it with a dual purpose. I had no issues with it, none whatsoever. And if the guy couldn't throw strikes because of his bad finger and they took a little extra time to get their bullpen guy ready because of it, thank you very much for doing just that. It was gamesmanship, but as you said, that's part of the game is gamesmanship. So, that, so that's fine. And it also suggests that, you know, t- well, Tina, he threw a lot yesterday. Tonight, I, I don't know that we're going to see Housley again, yeah. which is, is nice. <laughs> it's good. It's good. All of a sudden, they don't have their uh, shutdown closer right. in a must-win next two games or you're done. Uh-huh. Sorry about the bad finger, Mr. Housley. So, they put in uh, new reliever uh, Andre Palante. Palante, yeah. He's got a 591 ERA since September 1st. Thank you very much. They had Flaherty out there warming up, who I just thought would have been a better choice, but okay. All right, then. Up, Jody. Let us set up the moment of the game. Gene Segura, good clutch hitter, comes up. As they noted 18,000 times in the broadcast, he had the largest active career in Major League Baseball without being in the playoffs. Here comes the pitch. Here comes the moment. Swing and a ground ball right side. It's under the glove with eight minutes in the right. The game is tied. Here comes Castellanos. He'll score, and the Phillies lead it in the ninth. Gene Segura has come through, and the Phillies have scored. Scored three times to take the lead on the Cardinals. Um, just a beautiful moment. And again, it wasn't – It was he, he chased a pitch that was low and away, pokes it in the right field, past the second baseman, who maybe should have had it but didn't. And it was a bleeder, Jody. Call it what you want. It did the job. You're, you're feeling it that time. Seeing eye is what I would there call you it. That's a good uh, one. Base hit. <laughs> Um, yeah, just a great piece of hitting by Gene, and that's the kind of player that he is. He puts the ball in play when he needs to put the ball in play. This Phillies lineup has a whole bunch of strikeouts, and a Gene Segura is not one of them. So you had the guy at the plate that you wanted there probably as much as anyone else in the lineup, and he delivered big time. And the fact that he was, prior to the start of the game, the player with the most games played, active in their career without ever having been in a playoff game over 1300 and he delivers was just huge it was it was great it was a brilliant moment and it's you know they they put up before the inning that the cardinals when they were leading in the ninth inning in their history in postseason we're going back to Frankie Frisch and Joe Medwin, <laughs> right? I mean, right? We're going back to Ra- that. Rabbit Maronville? Mar- Marinville, yes. Marinville? We're, yes, we are going back to Dizzy Dean. <laughs> yeah. Had never. They were 93-0 and when they were leading in the ninth inning of the playoffs, and that was a that was a pretty auspicious number. And all of a sudden, here we go. Up comes Bryson Stott. Uh, we talked about Edmundo Sosa coming in to pitch run for Boehm. It, it pays off. Um do you have uh, do we have the sound back at the studio for this one? Yeah, let's play it. This is Bryson Stott comes up. One and two on Bryson. Polante ready. Here's the pitch. Swing at a ground ball. Diving Goldschmidt's got it. Coming home. The throw. It's late. Yes. Sosa with a head first slide. He has scored. And another run is home. 
Edmundo Sosa just in under the tag of Molina. And it's four to two Phillies in the ninth. Pretty damn good, Joey. Great call and, by and Fred. It, and it was a, we talked about the, the call by Thompson to bring in the pinch runner. Bohm's not scoring on that. Probably not. Uh, the upgrade in speed is, is marginal, but because it was so close, marginal is the difference. Yeah. It, it, it might have been a bang-bang play by a couple inches either way. Well, he scores by a couple inches. Chances are Bohm's out by a couple inches. The difference between out and safe is all the difference in the world. So, again, all, all the credit to Rob Thompson for thinking as far ahead as he did. Glenn, this is the portion where I probably annoy every single fan. Oh, no, no, what? What? The Phillies showed grit. They showed toughness. They did it a way that they haven't done all year. You know, one foolish talk show host deemed them the Broad Street boomsticks before the year started, that the only way they were going to win was by hitting home runs and getting good pitching. Well, they got very good pitching, uh, but no home runs whatsoever, and they just created six runs in the ninth inning, as I pointed out uh, on Twitter. Not one ball was hit hard. Oh, the no. entire inning, not no, one. No, over, over. I'm not going to argue that. Hit balls. But here's the thing: uh, you're absolutely correct, and their sluggers are not doing what you pay them to do typically, right? Harper's hit three home runs since he's come back. That's right. not exactly, you know, that's that's the same. Maton's hit three home runs in that period of time. Uh, Castellanos is not hitting home runs. Well, Schwarber certainly has been, but you know, not yesterday. But what this shows, and I'm gonna I'll read a Larry Boa tweet from yesterday to address your point. Good things happen when you put the ball in play. Yes, the highest exit velocity in the ninth with eighty eight miles per hour, but six runs later the win case closed. They played they didn't swing from the heels. They tried nope. a suicide squeeze, they worked walks, boom, stood in there and took a hundred and one mile fastball off the shoulder. I'll I'll win in small ball. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, they didn't win the way you think they should win, but if they can win Playing smart, playing small, getting lucky. They definitely got lucky. The last hit is the 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 Brandon Marsh, you know, single past bull glove third baseman that I think was, we all agree was an error. But hey, I'll take it. That's where I was going. And leave it oh, to sorry. La- leave it to Larry Boa to go all analytics with eighty eight mile an hour exit velo off the bat. I just said they didn't hit the ball hard out of any there at bats in the ninth thing. Boa giving us analytical research well, to make the same point. I, I appreciate that. Here's the point I was gonna make. Yeah, I'm sorry. The ball that Gene Segura hit? Yeah. At least, at least should have been knocked down if not caught. Yep. Edmund's gonna make that play. Yep. Goldsmith, ground ball to first base. Yeah, he had the the to dive to get it, but he's up and he hitched. He he there was a momentary pause in his throw, and it is a second, a partial second late, and he gets in under the tag. And as you noted, Nolan Arenado's a co-glove third baseman. And watch his ball goes blatantly under his glove. So they had a little help. The Phillies had a little help from their friends yesterday. The Cardinals played some putrid defense in the ninth inning, which helped the Phillies put that six run up. I know it's kind of raining on the parade. I don't want to. And they get all the credit in the world for hanging in and being as tough as they were. The Cardinals kind of handed some. But I don't, I don't, I think that's okay because we've seen our team self destruct. That's true. To see the other team self destruct, particularly that team. And it gets me to one more sound, but I want to play. 
Um, we all have teams we dislike, and for me, it's always been the Cardinals. I have found them annoying forever. The, the, the gloating, the Cardinals way, they invented baseball, baseball heaven, the, you know, that all that stuff. Hate it. So when I think it's when it got to be five to two, I want to play a little Scott Fransky for you. And the pitch. Swing at a ground ball, left side. Arenado has it go under his glove. Segura coming around third. The throw is not in time. Arenado couldn't get to it. He backed up on the play, and the bouncer by Brandon Marsh makes it 5-2 to two Phillies. And what a ninth inning at Bush Stadium. Unbelievable. Uh, how much have we talked about, or even Thompson has talked about throughout this year, how resilient this ball club is when their backs are to the wall. Arenado, you just don't see him not make that play. And Cardinal fans are leaving. They are headed for the exit. That was my favorite moment of the day. (laughs) And they did. They showed it on TV. And it wasn't just like two or three guys trying to beat the traffic. There were good numbers rolling into the uh, uh, exits. That was just stone-cold weak. It's a playoff game. Yep. This is not a uh, night where you got to get up for work the next day. It's a late afternoon game where you, uh, on a Friday, no less, where the hell are you going? How do you get up and leave? It was great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, to your point, we've had, we, Philly fans, have seen a lot of late inning losses this year. Oh, God, last year, over the years. Just have the other team do it. You're correct. I don't think you're raining on a parade to say that they they got help from the Cardinals, but it was great to see. Of course, as they say, momentum in baseball is as good as your next starting pitcher. Today, Jody, it is Ranger Suarez. Tell me it's Ranger Suarez. Go ahead. This is is your last chance, I guess, to make that plea. Topper, please. I'm not sure he's listening on the Odyssey.com app (laughs) right now, but if he is – I, 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 you know, I've been selling this song for seven weeks, Glenn. Yep. Uh, and and nineteen out of every twenty pr- people that I run this by, ranging from major baseball exec and experts and top media guys to our Philly fans here on WIP and my co-hosts like Glenn Mack. Now, everybody is everybody has poo pooed this and said you can't do that. No, you wouldn't do that. Why would you even think about doing that? I stand by my thought process. You put Ranger Suarez out there today. Maybe he pitches lights out. You find a way to win the game. And then all of a sudden, you've got Aaron Nola to start the next series against the Atlanta Braves, which is going to be very difficult. If Ranger gets beat, you've got Aaron Nola, one of your two aces coming back against the Cardinals' third best starter at best in game number three. I've been suggesting this for upwards of seven weeks, and uh, the, no one is listening to me, and we'll see. Uh, now, I'm I'm not rooting for Aaron Nola to go out there and pitch poorly and go, see, I told you they should have started. No, I want Aaron Nola to do exactly what Wheeler did yesterday and mowed the Cardinals down for seven innings. But uh, I just thought outside the box might be a way to go here, but it doesn't seem like that's the direction the Phillies are going. Jody, your point is well taken, and I disagree. That's okay. And we'll never know. Right. We'll never know. But it's a, it's a fascinating theory, and you brought it right up to the end. And I, I appreciate that you stuck with it. Uh, yes, tonight it's Aaron Nola versus Miklas. We shall see. The Phillies actually a slight favorite, but that doesn't really mean much because we will see how it plays out.
Hey, we got that. We have a huge Eagles game tomorrow against the other Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals. Coming up in the show, we are going to talk to Seth Joyner. We are going to talk to Ben Davis. We are going to uh, talk about uh, a TV movie. I, you know what? I don't need, you and I both watch it. I have no idea how you feel about it, but we will review that one later for what we're watching. And we will talk to you at 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. It's a great day. In Philadelphia, he's Jody Mack. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Very soon. Uh... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh, celebrating Phillies win yesterday over the Cardinals in Game One of the Wild Card Round of the Playoffs. Uh, Seth Joyner will join us at eleven. We said, and Ben Davis at noon. Uh, we'll get to the calls in a moment. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack. Now it's time for this week in Philadelphia sports history. Brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit their new location at Wayne and Lancaster Avenues in downtown Wayne or at shibesports.com. Jody, I take you back to October 1993. You were doing middays at WIP. I was still with the Inquirer. Soon to join you. One of the highlights of my life, 1993. <laughs> First, the Phillies make it to the World Series, and then I get Glenn Mack now as my partner. I'd yeah, say just... the end of the 93 year was a good one for me. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and just a little bit of an aside, I remember as soon as I joined you, we had a program director, Tom Bigby, who said, don't talk baseball. <laughs> yeah, they just went to the World Series. Don't yes. Know. Why are you bringing baseball up? All right, so here we go. Game one of the NLCS, the Phillies against the Atlanta Braves. And early, uh, not early, they're bringing Kim Batiste as a defensive replacement. He makes an error. They're going to lose. Oh, no. But then. He comes up in the game with men on base. Let's give it 
to the great Harry Callis. Belliard, the second baseman, is closer than the shortstop. Blauser's way over there in the hole on Baptiste. Ball and two strikes. Here's the stretch. The one-two pitch. Swing a hard ground ball. Base hit! Base hit! Down the left field line! Crux scores! Bills win! Four to three! And the RBI hit by Kim Baptiste! This place is going wild! Baptiste, who made an error in the ninth inning that led to the tie, has picked up a hit down the left field line. Crux scored, and the Phillies win 4-3 in 10 in game one of the league championship series. Uh, it just makes you smile. Hearing the voice, hearing, and by the way, it's Harry and Whitey, of course. Just hearing those guys makes you smile. Even the way, Kim Baptiste. Everybody did there, Harry. And, Jody, that was 93, right up until Joe Carter, was just one of those magical years. I was going to say, it didn't end the way it was no, supposed to end. No. Like yesterday's game ended the way it was supposed to end. But uh, that season didn't. But that was a tremendous run because no one saw the Phillies coming that year, Macho Row and everything else. And up until Joe Carter, you're right, it was just such a fun year. And a quick Tim Kim Batista side. Um, my wife and I were just married uh, a year and change, I think, as a matter of fact, and went to all the playoff games, got tickets, and if I used my press pass, then my wife sat with her friend, and if not, my wife and I sat together for that entire playoff run. And after every game we would go to, and you're going to help me out here because my memory isn't what it used to be, uh, the old Holiday Inn um, yeah. I think it was a Holiday Inn that was Jaworski's right there on the place, corner. Right? Jaworski's, yeah. I yeah. can't remember the name of the bar. But yeah, they had I know. I, I can't either, but it, it, it was, it was, everything was green in it. I remember the bar. Right, and it yeah. was more Eagles-themed, but for that Phillies run, certainly after every single game, you walk in the joint, and all you can see is red with the naked eye. Yes. And we would go there after every single game and have a cocktail to win or loss. And Kim Batiste used to stay in the hotel. I think he lived in the hotel all year, as a matter yeah. of fact. Fergosi did, too. So Yeah, so every once in a while after win, usually after wins, after losses, you couldn't find Kim or anybody else as far as the players go because they were not a happy bunch. But after a win, they would come down. You'd see him in there. You'd go over, you'd buy him a beer, whatever else, give him a high five. And Kim Batiste was one of those guys who was there often during that playoff run all the way to the World Series, first against the Braves, then against uh, the, uh, the Blue Jays in the World Series. And he was one of my wife's favorite players. She just loved Kim Batiste because he was one of those underdog-type guys that you wanted to root for. And I remember buying Kim Batiste a couple of beers during that playoff There you go. Nice. I like that. What the hell was the name of that bar? What did Jaws call that place? Was it the uh, Eagle's Nest? It's probably something like that. I don't remember, but somebody will remember. We went in all the time, and Kim Batiste was hanging out and uh, partying with the Phillies fans after those postseason wins. So I play that for two reasons. I play it because, one, the scrappy underdog story, which, you know, they went on that magical run, and maybe we get that again this year with a team. They put out the odds the other day out of Vegas, and the Phillies had the longest odds of anybody to get to the World to win the World Series. Okay, here we go. Uh, but the second is because it brings up our theme for what is our giveaway today for Scheib Vintage Sports. $50 gift card. Uh, somebody is going to get 
And based on Kim Batiste, the unlikely hero, Jody's wife's favorite player. By the way, the winner does not have to be a favorite of Jody McDonald, Carol McDonald, but, you know, wouldn't hurt. Exactly. Give us an unlikely Philly sports hero, typically playoffs, postseason, um, somebody who was that player who was not a star, maybe not even a starter, who rose up and had a great moment for a Philadelphia team. Uh, and became a hero. And by the way, we agree we're taking Nick Foles out of this right away, right? Because that's that's the obvious answer. Right. If you put him in, then the conversation is over. So yeah. uh, remove Nick from consideration. No no disrespect, Nick. Uh, yes, still drink for free here in Philadelphia for the rest of your life. But for today's conversation, yes, Nick Foles, uh, not, not to be included. All right. Do you want to throw one in or you want to leave it to the listeners? Yeah, let's. Uh, I think there's a good number of them, but I don't want to take any away from the potential listeners. I, I've got one specific that I was thinking of. I told you uh, about it before. I mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't want to take it off the board for the peeps. All right. Kyle Quinn, by the way, Jody, is the he's he's the size. Oh, it's always on Kyle Quinn. Yes. It can't be can't be motion anymore, so it's got to be Kyle Quinn. Right. We don't want anybody to get mad at us. So somebody wins a $50 gift card to Shive Vintage Sports. Check out their throwback apparel. They're sent us to the location or shivesports.com. Let's talk to Rob in Philly. Jody, Jody, you know me, the South Dakota Sam. Oh, it's South Dakota Sam here. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited. I'm over the moon. Max. Wait, your name is Sam or your name is no, Rob? My real name is Richard, but in South Dakota. It was, I, was, I spent some time in South Dakota when I met Jody. He said, what the hell do you do in South Dakota? What are they? <laughs> okay. Anyway, there was a key at bat. Jody knows I'm a real baseball purist. I'm, I'm in my 70s. I, know. I go back to the 50s when the Phillies were doing. There was a real key moment to you guys, if you can put it out in the ninth inning. After uh, Hoskins left the inning with a strikeout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what you call got a, a bloop single in there, you know, Ramuto. Yeah. The key at bat, because I always have that thing, they try to get two outs when the Phillies are headed out the time, was I think Harper walking working a one-two count into a walk. I don't know if you recall yep. that. He was down one and two, but he didn't swing any bad pitch. He took one quarter line pitch. That was the key at bat. Because if he strikes out, it's two outs or one on. You know, I always have a rule of thumb. To, yeah, uh, no, I think that's a good point. Good, good point. Yeah, I have a rule of thumb. Uh, Guy and I always have when the Phillies are lead. I, don't, I like to get two out before the time runs at the plate, you know. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, so I'm really over the moon at that, that win last night. It was at the best of three series. The first game so important, you know. And I'm kind of with you, uh, Glenn. I won Noel to go today. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jody. Yeah, I just want to put the nail in the coffin if you can. I, yeah. That's good. Do you, do you gotta, have somebody, Rob, yes, who yes, uh, a, unlikely yes. hero? Who you got? Yes, and Jody knows I go way back. Jody, 1993, the Phillies won that you know the division, right? In yes. May of that year. We had a big win over the Cardinals. They had their big Lee Smith in. Mariano Duncan. It's a grand slam, a pinch grand slam. Remember I was that at one? that game. It was you Mother's were, Day, I think. Yes, exactly. I was at that game. I, I, I dragged, thank you, Rob. I dragged my wife and kids to that game. Well, dragged, I mean, mostly I wanted to go. My wife's like, you sure, Mother's okay, Day at the ballpark fine, yeah. for four hours? Yeah, why not? <laughs> and they were losing, and Duncan hit that. But I, he, Duncan was a good player. I wouldn't call him an unlikely hero. Right. He was uh, a Stone Cold platoon player. He and Mickey Morandini at second base. That's mm-hmm. what made that 93 team uh, as good as it was in, in large part because they had a great platoon at a couple of different positions, both outfield spots, right and left and second base. So, uh, yeah, and Fergosi pushed all the right buttons. Dunkel was a he wasn't an everyday player, but I wouldn't call him a super sub either. So I don't know if he fits the criteria we're looking for. Let's talk to Nick in Collegeville. You're on with Jody Mack and Glenn Mack now. Hi, Nick. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Hey. Good. So I called when right before you guys started talking about the uh, Hosley, Helsley, uh, uh, 
pitcher replacement. Because um, I was, I was, I was wondering the same thing. Did did the manager really? Uh oh, long enough. Yeah, Nick, yeah. we lost you for Hello? a second. Say say oh, what you, you said again. Now? We got you. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna disconnect myself from my Wi-Fi just in case that's doing oh, okay. something. Um, yeah, so I wasn't sure if the manager's thinking I need my my warm up my pitches to warm up more and throw more pitches. So let's go out there under the uh, label or guides of it's an injury. We want to look at it, and then they they had to throw a couple more pitches to buy the mat the the, pitch, the warming up pitchers more time, and then they went, oh no, we need the pitching change, yeah, and then the pitching. So, but it is, but listen, that's sportsmanship. It's unfortunately, look, unfortunately, we won the game, and we don't have to we don't have to cry and bitch and moan. Um, Except that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to move on. Uh, it was a great win. No, I no, I brought it up because we it, you, it entered you. my mind. Right. You want to yeah. get a little Eagles point? Yeah, this is a this is a pivotal game. This is an inflection point. I think. I think we. I think this is the Carolina game of 2017 when we went out there on a Thursday night and we beat them down with a healthy cam, uh, and we realized, wow, this this team is is really good. And so we're going to find out tomorrow. They haven't won. They haven't fared well going to Arizona. It doesn't matter which team or coach has been with the Eagles or Arizona. They go out there and say, dominant, just win the game convincingly uh, and show that they, they are serious and they have that kind of talent. Then I think we can kind of get on that 2017 bus again and go, all right, we should expect to win every, you know, you're not going to win every game, but you should They're expect not to win every game. Right. But you, should uh, you say it's a pivotal game. game. I don't say it's a pivotal game. Listen, I'll be really disappointed if they lose and if they get blown out or you know terrible things happen, you reassess. But I don't I want to say pivotal. it's a trap game before Dallas, but maybe it is. I don't know. It could. I be. mean, I, I don't want I, to say it's pivotal. Like, oh, if we don't make, it's not like late in the season. If you don't win this game, right. you might not make the playoffs. I'm saying pivotal as in have a better understanding if this team is okay. a serious contender or if this team is still. Top five NFC, yeah, and I, maybe I gotcha. get lucky. Can they put their thumb down on uh, their, their exactly. foot on their neck and win it? Who's your unlikely hero? So I mean, so Moshe's Moshe's younger than me, younger than you guys. Actually, it's Kyle so, today, but go ahead. Oh, oh, it's Kyle. Okay, I'm still so they're they're in the same He's age. He's younger group, than Moshe, so right. <laughs> so I mean, there's one out in, in, in you know in, in Dodger Stadium. There's another one I want to name that would be uh, you know the last Nick, the last. Got to get to okay. it. Come on, man. I'm going Nick Foles, man. If you told me no, we took Nick off the board. Listen. You got to listen. We took Nick off the board. Jody, two people, including our friend Dave Breitmeyer, have texted that they believe that bar at the Holiday Inn in those days was Benny the Bums. Could that be right? No, not when Jaworski owned it. No, I got I got the name of it actually, guys. Oh, what do you got? It was called Legends. Yes, yes, that was. Yes, it was. There you go. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Now, um, I believe the bar was known as Benny the Bums before Jaws bought the hotel. And when he took over, he made it a sports-themed yes. bar and changed the name of it. Yes. So those who texted in are correct. Benny the Bums was there in that spot at that location, but not when we're referring to it in 1993. Jaworski had taken over by that point and named it Legends. That's correct. Nicely done. All right. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn McDonald. Coming up at the top of the hour, Seth Joyner will be with us. We are looking forward to talking to Seth. Uh, and at uh, noon, we are talking to Ben Davis. So we're looking forward to that as well. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. 
Uh, hey, I can tell you from my long association with the folks at Meridian Bank, they are among the best and brightest when it comes to the banking part. But they're also a bunch that likes to have a good time. Maybe that's why Meridian has just been ranked as the number one Delaware Valley place to work. Now, for you, that kind of company culture translates into both business success and a thoroughly enjoyable experience. If your business banking is painful, you know what? A cure is available, and you can find it at meridianbanker.com. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, Mike Sielski traveling to Arizona for the game tomorrow. And we really haven't talked about football. I'm trying to balance the two things here, Jody. We will uh, talk to Seth Joyner at 11, so we'll get a lot there. you have concerns about a trap game, a look-over game here? Oh, yeah. Ooh, I didn't like how quickly you answered that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so far this year, Glenn, I have picked the Eagles to win all four of their games. They have. I've picked the Eagles to cover all four of their games. They've covered three out of four. I'm seriously concerned about tomorrow's oh, game. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things in this game, in this matchup, that I have concerns about. Maybe the biggest of which is the quarterback of the opposition. And I know the Eagles defense plays against Jalen Hurts day in and day out at practice, but really, what is practice for the Eagles these days? We don't really even know. All we know is that guys get rest and that they have uh, underused the amount of time that they're allowed to use as per the collective bargaining agreement. So I don't know how much playing against Jalen Hurts in practice preps them for a guy like Kyler Murray because, let's be honest, so far this year the Eagles have played Basically, four statues as uh, the mm -hmm. opposing quarterback. Uh, certainly, Goff is. Cousins is. Carson has become one. Oh, gosh. Uh, yes. Oh, my God. Did they make him look like a statue with the eight-sack game two weeks ago? And then last week, Trevor Lawrence, probably the most athletic guy they faced. Anytime he tried to make a play with his legs, the Eagles were either swatting the ball out of his hands and coming up with fumble recoveries, yeah. or he was self-destructing. Maybe Terrible. the biggest play of the game last week was him on the sprint out, untouched, just drops the football. Mm -hmm. So Kyla Murray and his ability to make plays with his legs is something that the Eagles haven't faced yet. Now, they may face it and be tremendous in it. They're an athletic team, so I think they'll be okay. They're getting great pressure up the middle, but sometimes if you bring it and you don't get them, all of a sudden the entire field is open. Yeah, I'm a little scared of Kyla Murray. Interesting. Tomorrow. All right. Well, we'll get into that more. We'll certainly talk about that with Seth, but that's uh... – not what I wanted to hear. Sorry. Got to got to call okay. the way we see him, right, Mac that's, man? That's why I respect you so much, Jody Mac. Let's talk to Chris in Clinton. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Jody. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Uh, well, so, um, Jody, the one thing with Kyler tomorrow, I think I'm looking for uh, Kaiser White to just spy him all game. I think that that's, that's what they're going to play tomorrow, but we'll see. As, um, as do I. Just give me a quick second to respond here. Um the Cardinals have two very good over-the-middle players, one of which we know quite well is named Zach Ertz, and the other one is Rondell Moore, their uh, inside receiver, who's just coming back from injury. Last year, last week was his first game of the year, but he's a really good uh, middle receiver who, if you're going to use White specifically to uh, spy on Kyla Murray, 
I think those two other guys in the middle of the field, and Murray can throw it between the uh, hash marks, could have big days if you're relying solely on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to cover those two guys. Well, that's fair. No, I, it's definitely their their um, biggest test of the year, I would say, in terms of the opposing you know the opposing quarterback. But anyway, I mean, I'm I'm way more excited about the Phillies today. I mean, that's it's it's just so exciting to have been you know when Segura got that hit, and um, you know I hadn't been that excited about a baseball game in twelve years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, actually, this is the the second time this year the Phillies will be facing the Cardinals in St. Louis with Aaron Nola on the mound and with um, Nicholas on the mound for um, the Cardinals. Um, they faced the Cardinals. They had it up July 11th earlier this year. Um, Hoskins got a homer off of Nicholas uh, earlier on, but um, they ended up losing that game 6-1. Um, to one. So I, I yeah. thought that was an interesting thing to, to bring up. I know that I don't want to rain on the parade, but, um, well, you know. You know, again, would you get Nola's line for that day? Well, that was line 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 that very well. No, he gave about a three-run. I think he gave a three-run home run to uh, Corey Dickerson late in the game. So he went to the seventh. Um, funny enough, Edmundo Sosa had a uh, RBI double off of Aaron Nola that day when he was still on the Cardinals. That's yeah. it, Chris. You just flipped yeah. that the other way. Today he gets it off of Nicholas, so we're okay. Hey, there we go. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And Who's your unlikely game? hero? Yeah, so um, this he led the Eagles in receiving the day of the Super Bowl. And that's um, Corey Clement. Yeah, Clement. But yeah, that's a pretty good one. Corey Clement had a great Super Bowl. That Huge year. Super Bowl. Nice day. guy, local guy. Yeah, like I always like Corey Clement. His dad comes to all the pregame shows that we do outside. Really? The stadium. Yeah, everyone. Very nice. It was more fun when he played for the Eagles, but yeah, <laughs> I suppose the Cowboys or the Giants or whatever team he's playing for now. Um, this of course leads to the question of which Nola we get tonight. And he was so terrific in his last start, but with Nola, particularly this time of year, or really any Nola, you get, oh man, just breeze through five innings, looking so good. Sixth inning gives up a hit, gives up a walk. Well, you don't usually give up a walk, but I mean, you, you know, those three run home runs are the killers. I have no way to predict what Nola shows up. I'm encouraged that he played much better this September than he has in previous Septembers. That's all I can go on. Exactly. And um, this will once again be, you asked me earlier about the Cardinal manager and the moves that Rob Thompson made. When does the the call to the bullpen come? Is he going to get six in? Is he going to get seven in? Where do you draw the line if you're Rob Thompson? And the other thing I'll say in defense of the Cardinal manager yesterday when he pulled Quintana as early as he did, it was nothing, nothing at the time. Every run was crucial. So if you saw anything, I think you needed to be ready to go to the bullpen. We'll see how Rob Thompson manages just that today with Arenola. John and Shalfon is with us. Hey, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. So uh, just extremely excited about what we're seeing in the Phillies uh, this, this playoff. My family in front of the TV again after all these years, it was just great to see yesterday yeah. Yeah. Um, and experience that again and share that really, you know, with the kids as they're older. It's just, it's just a bucket of fun. And, and How old are every your kids? Single, well, now, now they're like 18 and 19, but back in 2008 when we were winning, they were, you know, they were little guys and I was yeah. just – you know, and they don't remember a whole lot. They just remember a little bit about the excitement of it. But 
I think that at their age they're able to actually watch it and experience it. Yep, and and my kids are old enough that they remember the great Phillies run, right? And um, but I heard Rhea earlier this week. Rhea's got a thirteen-year-old, and this is the first time that she and her thirteen-year-old can share this joy. So I get it for you, and it's it is really special when for kids that first pennant run or that first championship you just never forget. So it's a great exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're watching the screen, but you're also looking over at them and watching them just to experience it through their eyes. And it's just it's just the best. It's so much fun. Uh, every of that was so important. It counted so much. Every uh, you know, every pitch and 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 Harper drawing that walk and and Bone getting getting hit by the pitch as he did, and just everything added up to just a, that night. That he was phenomenal. Yes, yes, sir. So, do you have an unlikely hero for us? So when you said that, my, I immediately went to the unassisted triple play by Mr. Eric Bruntlett. And that was just, uh, that was a blast when you saw that go down. Jody, uh, I, I remembered Bruntlett had a triple play. I don't remember the specific game. Unassisted, Un- yes. Unassisted. It was, it, which is a rare thing in baseball. The triple plays are rare things. But unassisted triple plays were rare, and that was the year of the World Series. Now, I uh, texted you before and yeah. said I think it should be Eric Bartlett, but not because of the unassisted triple play. That was in season, yeah. which was huge. But then in the World Series itself, I believe it was game three, he comes in, defensive replacement, sure enough, got to come to bat, gets on base, um, advances second, advances the third. Uh, they walk the bases full. And Chooch hits that little dribbler down yes. the third base line, yes. and he comes flying home and beats the throw to score the winning run. That was my Eric Bruntlett thought. Yeah. I agree with That's Eric what Bruntlett. I thought. And he had a big play during the year, which was contributing to the entire run. But yeah, I'll kind of lean toward a World Series major play than uh, rather than a regular season play. But if Eric, if it's Eric Bruntlett, I'm voting for Eric Bruntlett. Uh, as they say, right church, wrong pew. And, yeah, I remember the hit by Chooch. It was like a 45-foot game-winning <laughs> RBI single. <laughs> Just goes down in the in the box score. is like game-winning hit. Line yep. drive. Could have been a yep. laser off the bat on the box score the next day. Oh, those were great days, man. Maybe we get some more of that. Coming up, we are looking forward to talking to our pal Seth Joyner uh, about um, the Eagles and the Cardinals. Remember, Seth lives most of the time in Phoenix, so he's pretty aware of that team as well. Hey, fall is in full spring. The leaves are changing. Everyone is breaking out the comfy sweaters. Gone are the days of blasting your car's AC. Now, the weather is getting colder, but the sales at United Tire remain hot. Right now, get unbeatable pricing on all the major brands like Michelin, Goodyear, and Continental. Stop by your local United Tire today for more details. Say so long to summer. Say hello to fall with the help of the great people at United Tire. Remember, don't drive alone. Drive United. Lawrence straight back. Lawrence looks. Lawrence hit. He fumbles the football, and I believe the Eagles have it. They do. They do. Hassan Reddick made the hit, and the Eagles have it. Hassan Reddick on top of the ball. Yes. Hassan Reddick, hometown. 
Well, that's one of the highlights from last week. Marilyn Mike, uh, as the Eagles beat Jacksonville, and Hassan Reddick had just a great, great day. We are privileged to be joined by one of my favorite people. Uh, the great Seth Joyner is with us today. Seth, uh, the, first of all, I may have screwed up the day, so thanks for coming on. All good now. <laughs> okay. Uh, second of all, uh, Jody Mack and I have so much to ask you about. Let me start with Hassan Reddick because it was a huge signing by the Eagles in the offseason. The first couple games, you didn't see the impact. There were questions. Is, are they using him right? Has Jonathan Gannon figured out how to use him? The last two games, including this week, hey, NFC Defensive Player of the Week, what have you seen from Hassan Reddick in how the Eagles are using him and his impact on the game? Well, I'm still not sure of them clearly define how they're using them. I just think that, you know, when you think about situational football, um, they've been in a situation where they can put him at defensive end and play him at defensive end um, in situations where they've been ahead in the game. And really, that's his forte. You know, when you have a predictable passing situation, he's a pass rusher. He's not a dropper. But I understood. I understand why, they, why they're doing what they're doing with him. Everybody keeps talking about, Oh, he's not a dropper. He's not a dropper, but he's also not at 235 to 50, 55 pounds. He's not a guy that you can line up a defensive end every single play and think, you know, he's going to last the season that way. Plus, when you're trying to do, you know, your five man stuff, you know, there are going to be some times where one of those, you know, one of those outside linebackers have to drop. And you don't want BG doing it too often. I've seen him do it. And you don't want Josh Sweat out there. I think that, you know, Hassan Reddick is a lot more athletic than those guys in doing those types of things. Um, so that's why you see him doing it. But I think situational football has put him in a position the last two weeks where he could be really effective as a pass rusher. That's really what he's great at. Right. And, Seth, you, me, and Glenn are all a little old school, and we like to have what we understand as definition of players' positions. I don't know what you call Hassan Reddick. He's not really a defensive end. He's not really an outside linebacker. He's just, I, I think the word that uh, Jonathan Gennie used to, likes to use is an overhang player, which is a little different than uh, what I've been considering positional assignments in the National Football League. Is that the NFL today, that it is different than what we grow up uh, watching and or in your case playing at the National Football League level? No, because I think for people who really understand football schematically, you know, you can look at everything they do on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball, and you can find relatability to, you know, back when I played. You know, listen, they're, all they're doing, they, you know, they, they run a five-man front, and they take away one of the, um, you know, one of the outside backers. You know, you replace them with a defensive back. But you're still in the 30-front look sometimes. So sometimes you'll see – you know, um, the guy on the open side or the, or the strong side kicked out, you know, the traditional 30 front defensive, um, defensive end is a five technique player, but you can't get out flanked too much, you know, so they'll kick him head to head. And then the rest of the, the rest of the, the alignment looks the same. And then you got Hassan Reddick lined up on the outside and people will look at that and be like, Oh, you know, that's the 30 front. Well, it is. But in reality, it's a 40 front. I don't think teams, you know, until you get five guys on the line of scrimmage, you're really not, you know, a 30 front. Um, you know, everybody wants to be creative. They come up with all these new adages, all of these new, you know, the phrase, the catchphrase with coaches now is, you know, concepts. And to me, it's just a whole bunch of, you know, nonsense because, you know, football is football. 
And when you really get down to it and you really start to dissect it, you can't change it that much. You know, there's nothing new. <laughs> you know, some a lot of these coaches, you know, come all, oh, you know, McVay's supposed to be this, you know, this, um, you know, this guru. And I think one of the most creative head coaches or offensive minds in the league is Andy Reid. It's not that he does things different, you know, see, it's not that he's reinventing anything. It's just that he's extremely creative. That little play, you know, where you bring the tight end in motion, you know, and the tight end stops and takes the snap and yep. runs the quarterback sneak. I mean, that's just innovative stuff. That's not, yeah. it, it's not anything new. It's not a new formation or anything. But a lot of times these coaches, they're using all this motion to play with your eyes because they know that defensive players, the most important thing that you possess is your eyes. Your eyes tell you everything. And if you if your eyes are in the wrong place, then you're going to, you know, your information that you're receiving and how you react, you know, is completely off. But um, I, I don't know. I just, you know, he to me, he's the classic tweener. You know, when you go back and you think about when New England drafted Chris Slade and um, Willie McGinnis, you know, neither one of them could really play off the ball as a linebacker or drop a whole lot. And they weren't big enough to really be, um, you know, defensive ends. You know, so a lot of people have coined that those those types of guys as tweeners. They're good pass rushers, and they're very, very average linebackers. We're talking to Seth Joyner. Uh, you can he's a great follow on Twitter at Seth Joyner. He's a he, these days Seth Joyner is a media mogul. He's on you see him hear him on the morning show on Mondays with Angelo and Rhea and the group, which has become a real treat for me. You got your show on Jacob Media. You got the Seth Joyner uh, on YouTube. Seth's everywhere, so make sure you follow him. You mentioned Brandon Graham uh, kind of in passing, and two guys I've been very interested in this season are Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, two older defensive linemen. Graham was injured last year. Cox had a down season. Through four games, my sense is they've looked good. It's a long season. What do you see from them so far? Well, listen, I, <laughs> BG, you know, is just, he's such a, not just a great player, man, but I mean, when you really get to know him, he's such a good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what he's done. Um, I think that he sat back in the off season and, um, and looked at the re-signing of Derek Barnett. I think, you know, I, I honestly believe if BG, you know, doesn't get injured last year, that there's no need to make that move to bring Derek Barnett back. Mm-hmm. Then they go and they dra- they they um they sign Hassan Reddick, and I think BG kind of looked at that and probably thought to himself, "Well, man, you know they're bringing in guys at my position, you know maybe they think I'm done. Maybe they maybe they don't know whether you, whether or not I can I can um, recover from this Achilles heel. I mean, the dude just went to work. I mean, I saw him in the off season. You know, we shook hands. I gave him a hug, and I was like, man, this dude is like solid, man." Um, so I'm happy for him that he's coming back and he's playing so well and proven anyone who thought that he had nothing left in the tank that he does, you know. So now he'll it'll make for some difficult decisions for the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, in the off season, especially, you know, with the number three overall pick, you know, how he's gonna spin that into, you know, multiple picks that allows him, you know, to address the most important positions in their mind is the offensive and the defensive lines. Um, Fletcher, um, I, I, you know, there's times where I see Fletcher and he flashes and he's, he's you know, he, he, he can be dominant. And there's times where I just kind of scratch my head, you know, that a guy with that much talent isn't dominant all the time. Um, 
I think it says a lot that, you know, they restructured his deal and brought him back on a one-year deal, and then they turn around or they draft Jordan Jordan Davis and then turn around and restructure the deal, cut him and bring him back on just a one-year deal. Um, to me, it's kind of a prove it, you know, let me see what you got left because we just drafted your heir apparent. And like I said, we still got draft capital going into the next two years, two in the first, two in the second, and 24 to replenish that position if we have to with youth. Yeah. Seth, uh, you played for both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals. So you played in <laughs> front of the Philadelphia faithful and the Arizona quasi-faithful. Not quite as passionate a fan base. Is it a good home field advantage for the Cardinals these days? That new stadium, the the overall uh, NFL passion that the fans in Arizona have? I know a lot of Eagle fans got on a plane and went out there, and they are as good a traveling fan base as there is in the NFL. What's it going to be like in that stadium tomorrow? Well, listen, I'm, I'm actually flying back to Philly, you know, this morning. And um, I was at a meet and greet last night with that plane full of fans that some of them is already here. And I mean, it was just insane. You know, we (laughs) signed some autographs, took some pictures, you know, hung out with him for about, you know, two hours. Um, You know, Hollis, Hollis Thomas, you know, he and I did, you know, probably about a 45 minute Q and a, I mean, they just like took over this bar in, in, in in Scottsdale. So I, I get that. And there, and there's nothing like the fans of Philly. I don't care, you know, where you go. People can say whatever they want to say about them, but, you know, my years of playing in Philly and I played in three other places, there's nothing like it. You know, now, the fans in Arizona have gotten better, you know, from the time where we played in Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe to where they moved out, you know, to, to Glendale. That's a whole different fan base that's out there. So they've got more fans out there now. But trust me, the Eagles fans are coming. They're going to be here. And, you know, while you watch the game, you'll be hearing the Eagles chant. You'll be hearing the Eagles fans um, because that's just how we roll. Last one from me, Seth, um, since you are out there and get to see Arizona, the Cardinals more than we do. Kyler Murray is a guy signed a huge contract uh, in the offseason. There's a lot of questions about that back and forth. Um, Very talented. I was talking to our colleague Ross Tucker the other day who said, his problem is being five foot nine. He really can't see over the line sometimes, which is why he runs so much. I guess I'm asking you for an assessment at this point in his career of Kyler Murray and how good you think he is or isn't. Well, it's interesting because I had um, Paul Calvisi, who is the um, who is the sideline reporter for the Cardinals games um, on my show this week, and. You know, one of the questions I had for him, how much did the missing DeAndre Hopkins really affect him? Mm-hmm. Because when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, he's a completely different player. Um, I get Ross's assertion because, you know, he is short, and you want him to play from inside the pocket because he really can't see over those six foot four, six foot five offensive linemen. You know, if I was coaching him, I'd take a book out of, you know, um, <laughs> Not the Russell Wilson of you know this right. past Monday night, <laughs> not this one. but 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 the but the Russell Wilson you know of years gone by, you know when they when when Seattle used to run their play action passes or their drop back, Russell Wilson would drop nine ten yards, and people really didn't you know a lot of people thought it was because he could create much more space that allowed him to elude the rush, but a lot of it was he couldn't see over the line of scrimmage either. So if you the deeper you get him, the more vision 
he has, you know. But then you better have a pretty darn good, you know, running game that allows you to do that. You know, with Marshall Lynch, he could do that. And a halfway decent, you know, offensive line. You know, I mean, Marshall Lynch made the offensive line better. I think he started getting beat up later in his career because, you know, they couldn't run the ball the way they did back then. But Kyler Murray suffered some of those same things. And then when you talk about um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, when he's, a, when he's up, it changes, you know, coverage. You know, you really have to tip your hand and show your hand what you're doing because he's such a lethal weapon. So early in the, in the pre-snap, you know, he can kind of determine what's going on. It's a little bit different. Um, the thing that I worry about, you know, for the Eagles, you know, tomorrow is the fact that, you know, he, he is more dangerous when he's outside of the pocket than when he's playing from the pocket. He's the type of quarterback you want to make him have to operate from the pocket. And the Eagles can sometimes be extremely undisciplined in their rush lanes as far as contain is concerned. And if he catches you in man-to-man coverage, he can really hurt you because there's not a throw he can't make, but he's even that much more dangerous because, you know, he might be one of the best scramblers in the league as well. In the first two games, he didn't scramble a lot. The last two, he's been running around, you know, and they've been a little more competitive. So, um, listen, he's a good player. There's no doubt about it. But if the Eagles are smart, you know, they'll come in with the intent of making him have to throw the ball from the pocket. That means you got to be a little more disciplined in how you rush. You can't take any inside charges and let him get outside the pocket because that's where he really hurts teams. You know, the guys that are deep, they come back. The guys that are short, they take off, and he can throw the ball a mile or he can, you know, be a man coverage. He's going to run the ball 20, 30 yards before defensively you can even react to him. So um, they got a challenge because you know, he's a good player. He just hadn't gotten off to the type of start that everybody thought he would because I think that, you know, DeAndre Hawkins is the major difference maker, and he won't be back for another two weeks. Yeah. Seth Joyner, it is always a pleasure. Look forward to hearing you uh, on Monday with Angelo Cataldi. As I said, follow him on Twitter, at Seth Joyner. He's got all kinds of things going on. Always a great follow. Uh, have an easy flight, my friend. All good, my friend. You guys right. have a good one. Stay Seth, well. thanks, bud. There you go. Smart guy. Great guy. Knows his stuff. And, yeah, he's not afraid. That's one of the reasons why I love listening to Seth is – He'll at times point to Eagle's shortcomings. Yeah. There are some guys that just look at things in the media through Eagle-colored glasses. You would think an ex-superstar, borderline Hall of Fame player who wore the green as long as he did would be that type of guy. No, he's not. He, yep. he, he will give praise when praise is due, and he'll also critique when he thinks Eagles aren't getting the job done. Absolutely. Let's talk to Jeff in Allentown. Allentown, New Jersey, Jeff? Yep. I didn't even know yeah, there was an Allentown, New Jersey. Where is that? Uh, basically, it's uh, just it's just on the other side of Robbinsville. Jody, where's Robbinsville? <laughs> I was going to say, I know <laughs> what the next question is going to be. All right, you know Hamilton. Six miles you know from Hooterville. All right, you know, you, know, you know Hamilton, New Jersey. I do. Two towns over, it's the most western borough in Montana. There you County. go. There Thank you. Go. you. Little, 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 little borough. It's a very cute, wonderful place. Okay. Nice. Yep. So, okay. So, um... Yeah, so basically, like, two points I want to make. One, um, about the Eagles in terms of small ball. Like, sometimes you just have to do that. The thing is, they were relying on the, the ideas. Everyone's going to think, hey, the long ball is that point. But like someone brought up earlier in terms of Carlos Ruiz in 2008, it was that little squibbler that barely made it halfway down the third baseline that brought the winning run home for, was it, game three? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's just, again, 
make contact, stuff happens. And that's what and that's what I said yesterday. Like they they really weren't it was a matter of just getting contact on the ball no matter what you do. I listen, I agree and I get and I respect analytics, but the version of baseball these days which is just try to power up, you know, hit a home run out of the park and strikeouts aren't bad. I don't always agree with and yesterday the Phillies played a different kind of ball, maybe got lucky, but won the game. Hello? Take it any way you can. Exactly okay. right, Mac. They uh... Yeah, I would say that's going to be a lot of that one. Yeah. Sorry, still there? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're still here. Give us an unlikely hero. 2008 NLCS, bottom of the eighth, two outs. Guess who comes up to pinch hit one into the night? Uh, Matt Stairs. Very good. It's a really good one. Yeah, I, I, I anticipated that. He was a late season pickup, as I recall. He didn't do. A, he was a waiver pickup, right? Didn't do a whole lot during that stretch down the season. But you knew Matt Stairs is the guy who could hit a home run at any point, and it is great. And because of the tremendous call, it'll always be well, not just because of the call, but the call enhances it. It'll always be remembered. And oh, by the way, Matt Stairs would fit quite nicely with the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies because he was a uh, boomer bust kind of guy. And no one, no one, I mean, no one, maybe ever swung as hard as Matt Stairs. Yeah, he did. He, he, every single time he swung the bat, you know what he was trying to do. He was trying to rip the laces apart. He, he wasn't, he couldn't do what Gene Segura did yesterday. Just put the ball in play, put it on the ground. No, 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 no. Matt Stairs was looking to pull the baseball out of the park every time he swung the bat. Yeah, he was not a guy who was exactly going to uh, shorten up with two strikes. No. But that wasn't his job. You know how many years he lasted in the major leagues doing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, came yeah. up, Jody. He came up in 1992. Jody, I'll buy you a beer if you can tell me the team he came up with. Stairs. Yeah. A's. No, that was his third team. Okay, <laughs> that was his third team. His first team was the Expos. Ooh, yeah, I remember Stairs on the Expos. Now, yeah, just kind of you know had a couple of cups of coffee with them. Then he was in Boston. Then he was with Oakland for five years. One year with the Cubs. It's funny because I remember him with the Cubs. I do too. Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Texas, Detroit, Toronto. Texas? He was a Ranger? He that was. could not have been long. 26 whole games. <laughs> By the way, he was 38. He was 38 at the time, and he had five teams and five major league stops after that. Damn. Detroit, Toronto came to the Phillies late in 08. Yeah. 17 regular season at-bats, two home runs, so that is what you want from him. Uh, another year with the Phillies. Padres finish it up with Washington at age 43. Damn. God bless him. He's and, a good answer for this. And, oh, by answer. the way, a, a, a darn good announcer. Not like yeah, he the was greatest good. of all time, but he was good. He was. And I sure as hell would have been rather listening to Matt Stairs and A-Rod yesterday. That's for damn sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's why Stairs will probably be remembered a little bit more than his actual on-field accomplishments here. Number one for the home run. Number two, yeah, he was uh, one, of the, one of the guys who called games for years here in town. I'd rather listen to Johnny Most than Alex Rodriguez. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of the guy I would least want to listen to. Whoever it is, I, well, no, Romo's good. Uh, anybody over Alex Rodriguez. 
All right, we got Jack, Mike, Peter coming up. You are certainly invited to join 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to give you what we're watching. Jody and I... After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Watch the same... All right, well, we're watching sponsored by Guide to Door and Window. Receive 20% off all windows and doors and no money down, up to three years to pay it back. Interest-free, uh, call Guide to Door and Window today at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at go-g-u-i-d-a.com. All right, uh, movie on Netflix, getting a lot of uh, attention called The Greatest Beer Run, directed by Peter Ferrelli, Jody, who did... Uh, well, he did Dumb and Dumber and he did Kingpin, but he also did Green Book, which won the best picture oscar um I, let me set it up tell you what i think and then see if you agree or disagree is that all right yeah um one quick question yeah forelli or farley i go forelli is it farley it's f-a-r-e-l-l-y yeah i i always thought it was the right. farley brothers you may but, be right you but you right. might be right i don't i can't okay. say 100 percent for sure anyway he's been around yeah so the movie is based on a very good book of the same title, um, true st- and I read the book, which may influence my opinion here. It's a true story of a New York City guy named Chickie Donahue, 1967, spends most of his life hanging with his buddies at the bar, even as they're watching friends go off to Vietnam and never come home again. And when one of his best pals goes MIA, Chicky gets this crazy idea, he's drunk, he's like, what if I brought all my friends in Vietnam a beer just to just to show them that back in New York, we still love him. And his fellow barmates kind of egg him on, uh, including a bar owner played by Bill Murray, which took me a took me a couple minutes to recognize that as Bill Murray. I don't know about you, but I, I, it didn't look like him at first. I picked up on the fact okay. that it was uh, Murray pretty quickly. All right. Anyway, Chicky decides to, he gets on a cargo ship to Vietnam to find the guys and just has to spend two months on the ocean and find people he knows in the country in the middle of a war and give his friends some suds and then find his way home again, which, amazingly, he does. Again, it's based on a true story, and it's a great premise, but I thought it was a mediocre to bad movie. Um, The underlying point of the movie is that Chicky starts off as like a full-blown defender of the Vietnam War, and only after he gets there does he realize that, that war is hell and that his friends are dying for no good reason. So again, a fine premise, but kind of condescending, kind of manipulative, very designed to hit you over the head with the moral of the story. More, I thought, than tell you the actual terrific story of this guy doing this crazy thing. It's a message movie. 
Um, and even if you agree with the message, you end up thinking the director is just playing you for stupid. I'll hand it to you. Okay. Uh, yeah, apparently I liked it better than you did. I, yeah. I can't say I loved it because I'm just not a Zac Efron fan. Um, yes. The, the star of the movie is a guy who I've seen in other features, and I'm just not a big fan of his. Well, when I found out he was the guy, you texted me and said, can you watch this? I heard, heard nothing about it. And I thought, greatest beer run ever. Oh, with the Farley Brothers? It's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, you thought it was entirely something Absolutely else. Absolutely something else. And then I found out what it was. Here was my issue, Mac. Um, and you and I are of similar age. Most of the stuff we talk about, you and I are in the exact same ballpark because we lived it, whatever. The Vietnam War came when I was just a little kid. I'm starting yeah. grade school. Yeah. So the whole debate on whether it was a war that we should have been in, as I got older, I certainly understood it, but I didn't live that. I was just too young to do that. My father didn't fight in the Vietnam War. He fought in Korea. Well, he was in the service during the Korean War. He never actually got in country, played for the U.S. baseball team, as a matter of fact, while the uh, individuals were fighting over in Korea. Uh, but I didn't get the whole Vietnam War thing because I was just a little kid, and I didn't yeah. understand. So trying to draw from my own personal uh, remembrances of what it was all about, I didn't have as much to draw on. So that if, if I was five, six, seven, ten years older, I think I would would have felt very differently about the movie. I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, it's kind of judgmental. Um, Bill Murray was good. Russell Crowe was outstanding. The best. He was the as, best part of the movie. Oh, absolutely. As the in-country media photographer has to stick to the facts, and he truly did try and draw a line because most people came down on one side or the other. Yep. Either it was a travesty we were in the war or this is what we do as Americans. He gave you that nice balance in the middle that there were things about it that were right and things about it that were wrong. So I give Russell Crowe a lot of credit, and I thought it was great. That's how we opened the you know, what we're watching. Uh, are you entertained with That's Russell right. Crowe? That's uh, right. That's which right. Was, Good call. Which was very great. Uh, enjoyed it. Not something I go, oh, my God, get to Netflix immediately. Again, if you're a millennial, I don't think they would look at it the same way you and I looked at it, and I don't know if they'd actually enjoy it at all. But uh, for someone 60-plus, uh, they might be able to walk back down memory lane and, uh, and enjoy it and or get annoyed by it. If a movie causes your emotions, that can't be a bad thing. Sometimes the emotions are good. Sometimes they're bad. I can deal and live with either one. This one, because I just missed it historically in my own life. Uh, I probably wasn't as moved as I might have been. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. I agree with you on Zach Efron. I didn't think, I, I don't, I've never particularly loved him. I didn't think he was, he played it as like a working class New York City caricature, dumb as a rock. And uh, there's, there's a line, uh, I think somebody says, every once in a while you run into a guy who's too dumb to get killed, um, which was mm -hmm. kind of meant to be humorous, but it fit and not in a way to help the movie. And by the way, I love Bill Murray. We all love Bill Murray. I didn't love him in this movie. I, I, I didn't think he was good. Well, he was specifically a pointed character. He was one of those guys who was supposed to be... One-dimensional. Yeah, he was, and uh, if that's the char if that's what the character calls for, then you have to be that character. So I think the way that the dialogue went, he had to play it the way he played it. And one other reason why I probably like the film, Mac, which is, again, just uh, it, to our listening audience today, nobody else is going to say what I'm going to say. I've been in Doc Fiddler's. The bar. Oh, that that's a real place. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, the bar, which they, they used to set up a lot of the movie. 
Correct. That is on Broadway in northern Manhattan, just uh. over the bridge from Riverdale. And I had a whole bunch of friends growing up in high school that lived in Riverdale. And from time to time, yes, we'd, we'd actually go into, ooh, we're going into Manhattan by about three blocks. You're right. in Manhattan coming over the bridge from Riverdale. But I have been – now, this was a staged bar made in a Hollywood set somewhere, so it wasn't exactly the same. But I certainly recognized the name as Doc Fiddler's, and I got an outside shot out of it and they put it yeah right exactly where it was supposed to be on broadway so yeah that was oh, kind of cool. cool for me yes yeah that's fun when that happens when you know the place in the in the movie um scale of one to ten i give it a four and a half i'd go six maybe six and a half because of doc fiddler it's, it, it's not an eight nine or ten for sure but uh, i enjoyed it and i had no problem after i was done with it. i said all right mac man put me on to a decent movie all right. Well, there you go. Uh, the name of the movie is The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Again, I read the book, and I think sometimes when you read the book first, you're not going to like the movie as much because the, the book's got a lot more going to it. Uh, it is on Netflix. Jody likes it a bit. I dislike it a bit. You see how you feel. Let's go to our friend Jack in Santa Barbara. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, guys. How are you doing this morning? Good, hey, Jack. <laughs> hey, hey uh, Jody. Uh, did you do Ken Burns' Vietnam piece? No. Um, it's so funny because we're talking about Vietnam here, and I haven't I had a chance to get to the, uh, the one you suggested yet. No, it, you, it, it, will, it will clarify everything for you, really. It, it, is, it is epic, the way he put it together. Okay. And, um, you yeah, set aside it, about uh, 90 hours to watch it, Jody. <laughs> That's Ken Burns. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm a binger when it's really good history stuff, and this is this is really good because it tells both sides of the story, um, and I think you both would enjoy it. Um, but my Philly's point that I shared with Kyle. So yesterday, I go out of the house on errands, places I I couldn't get to the game, in the fifth inning, when Baum was left on third base. And didn't score, right? Yeah. He, he hit a hit a double, yeah. and they got got him over to third with one out, and didn't get him in. And um, and I'm like, oh man, what's the odds being on the road that you're going to be able to pull this game off? So I figured they're going to lose. And then I get this text later in the day from a friend of mine who's a Padres fan, and he knows I'm a major Philly fan. So he tells me what happened, right? Sends me a text. Last night, he was at a Jack Johnson concert in San Diego, and I was free. So, so I sent him the update on, on the Padres game because I gave him the favor back, right? Yeah, and, sure. And, and so, um, yeah, it was, it, it, was a, it was a great day. And, uh, Okay, here's my unsung hero. This yep. is one for you, Jody. You'll you'll know this guy, Harold Jensen. Remember Harold? Jensen? Oh, Villanova. Yeah. Yep. Just a yep. stone cold shooter. Yes, Harold Thanks, Jensen, Jack. part of that uh, upset squad that took down Georgetown uh, under Raleigh in the uh, championship game. Not a bad yeah. one. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You can go college. Actually, Nova's had a few of those in these big games. 
215-592-9494. We will get to the callers. I apologize, Jody, and I got a little bit of a riff about that movie, but we look forward to talking to you uh, coming up next on 94 WIP. Things got a little chippy to say the least. Marcus Davenport getting into it with, I believe, Jordan Mailata. We saw Mailata talking it up with a couple of the defensive linemen for the Saints, so we've already seen some back and forth. But Mailata was right in there with Marcus Davenport. They went down to the deck at one point. Well, that was from last season, but I wanted to play a Jordan Mailata highlight because, A, he's probably my favorite Eagle, and, B, there's a very good chance he's not going to be playing this week. We are uh, delighted to be joined by Dr. David Gelt of Cooper Bone and Joint, who gives us kind of our injury report every week. Doc, pleasure. How are you? Pretty good. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Uh, let's talk about Jordan Mailata. The Eagles, he's declared doubtful for tomorrow's game. They haven't really revealed details of his injury, except we know with a shoulder, uh, there is speculation that it's one of three things, a labral tear, an AC joint sprain, or a rotator cuff injury. He says it's not that bad. He doesn't plan about for an extended period of time. Uh, it's not a question for me to ask you, but of the injuries that I referred to, is there one that we would be rooting for? Uh, yeah, and if you had to choose between the three, um, an AC joint sprain is probably the, the best one to have. That's basically uh, where the collarbone and the shoulder get together, so there's a, that little bump right on top of the shoulder. Um, there's a little, a couple ligaments that attach there, and sometimes if you fall right on that arm, you get a little irritation of that uh, uh, that ligament um, and that joint. So sometimes you get a little soreness, you get a little bump there, possibly like a prominence. And it's really a pain when you cross over your arm or if you try to push through. Uh, the good thing is that heals pretty well on its own. You usually do very well conservatively. The other things, as far as like a rotator cuff injury or a tear or a labral tear, then you're thinking about other uh, you know, possible intervention if it's not getting better. So hopefully it's just an AC joint sprain and you'll be back in a week or two. I, I um, wanted to ask you about uh, ankle injuries because Eagles have two of them this week. Um, yeah. Both Devontae Maddox and uh, Jake Elliott are going to miss the game because of ankle injuries. It's as simple as either it's surgical or it's rest, right? Is is there more to it? I know there's regular ankle sprains and high ankle sprains. How difficult can ankle uh, injuries be? Yeah, I mean, with any injury, it's a there's a whole a wide array of how bad the injury is. It could be you know a mild sprain, or it could be a, a partial tear, or it could be a full thickness tear, and um, that sometimes inquire, requires surgical intervention. A lot of times. The typical ankle sprain that everybody gets when they roll their ankle, um, usually they just uh, sprain the ligaments on the outside of the ankle. Sometimes they're a little stretched out or a little thickened and it gets inflamed. And usually it's rest and you know rehab, uh, icing, anti-inflammatory, sometimes using a brace for support, and then start doing some functional activities. As long as they're doing better and improving and you can uh, perform your activities, you can get back to playing. All right. Uh, just I got one more thing on my lotta, which is um, because you're an offensive lineman, so it's a shoulder thing, and he's an offensive lineman, and obviously yeah. a big job, big part of his job is putting his hands out there and blocking, sure. which puts a lot of force against that. Um, I believe it's axial force, Doc. I'm, you know, I know I'm talking out my rear end. There you go. But good, good for you. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Pushing on that shoulder. So, you know, different injuries, different positions are more um, impactful. 
mm-hmm. would a shoulder injury to a big offensive lineman be more concerning than a shoulder injury to, I don't know, pick another position? Yeah, I mean, obviously his position, what he does, he has to push people back, and you know, that's constantly using force in that shoulder. And like I said, you know, with the AC joint, it's really more across the arm, you know, if you're putting your body across. Uh, if it's a labral tear or something of that sort, that's when you get that, if you have that axial load or you push into it, um, or you put it in your apprehension position, um, where you put your arm up like a, a hands up type of position, that's when you really get the pain and discomfort. Um, so, you know, compared to, uh, uh, a linebacker or someone else, it may be a, a bigger, an issue for him, but hopefully, uh, like I said, uh, does well, and in the next week or two, he should come back, and hopefully we'll uh, get him back to playing. Certainly hope so. All right, Dr. David Gelt, we are told that you can join into our theme here with an unlikely Philadelphia sports hero. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it goes along with the Phillies back in 2008. Um, we weren't thinking about uh, you know some of the other pitchers, but uh, I think Joe Blanton, when he hit the home run, I think that was uh, <laughs> yeah. that catapulted everybody up, and uh, I think it moved on to help us win. It was great. It was a great woman. Dr. David Geld, as usual, you come up big, and uh, we appreciate it, man. All right. Go, Phillies. There you go. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, quick question for you. Were yeah. you down at the game when Blanton hit the home run? Yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. A very good friend, his daughter, was getting married that day. How okay. do you how do you schedule a wedding? I know. Oh, God. Yeah, but I know. you got to do what you got to do. So we were at the wedding in Philly. Uh, came over in the Philly for the day from Jersey, but not to go to the Phillies game. To right. instead go to a wedding in Center City, and it was me and about thirty two other guys around a very small TV <laughs> behind the bar. In, right, hotel bars a, do yeah, well. Yes, th- this is a a wedding setting, so yeah, it's I not know. a sports bar. So I you're know. talking about a little small TV. When heavy Joey B went yard, you could hear the screaming and uh, yelling throughout the entire wedding, which I'll never forget. Yes. When people schedule, uh, and and you don't always, obviously, they didn't know the Phillies were going to be in the World Series, right? So they scheduled thinking, oh, it's October. Phillies aren't, you know. Uh, But when people do that or schedule a wedding on an Eagle Sunday, those hotel bars must do tremendous business because I, I find it. If memory serves, I think it was a Saturday night. Could have been a Friday, yeah. but I think it was a Saturday, So, and it was a night game. Uh, so, yeah, we went into the city, and I uh, cleared it with the wife first. I said, you know I'm going to be sneaking away from the table to get Philly updates, right? And she said, I understand, I understand, because sure. I kind of broached at one point, listen, maybe I can't attend. Maybe I need to go to the <laughs> Phillies game. No, 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 yeah, no, no. Yeah, that no. going over right. Yeah, that did not go She's over not well. Going but solo. We, we found a good compromise position that I was yes. allowed to stay on top of the game as much as I could within the venue itself. I think that's exactly the right call. Yeah. Mike in Arizona. Ooh, out there in the belly of the beast, my friend. Hey, guys. Uh, good uh, late morning there. Yeah, I'm a, uh, a season ticket holder for both. I've seen uh, every snap of both teams, and uh, emotionally... wait, wait. you're a season ticket holder for the Eagles, and the... we lost you for a second. The Eagles and the Cardinals, so you shuttle back and forth. No, I usually catch one or two Eagle games a year. Family okay. use the tickets. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So got it. I've seen every snap from both teams, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I'm scarred from the Eagles losing here the last five times they were in town. They haven't won here. 2001. Yeah. So I've got that scar tissue, but intellectually, I look at these teams and the matchup, 
Uh, and I, I don't see the Eagles losing this week. Uh, the Cardinals are really vulnerable in their interior offensive line. They've got a couple of giant uh, retreads at guard, Will Hernandez and Justin Pugh. Their center retired in the preseason, came back. And Kyler Murray really struggles when the pressure's in his face. So uh, I, I see a big advantage there. And on the other side, I, the Cardinals secondary, they've got really good safeties, but their corners are small. Uh, I just don't see anyone hanging with A.J. Brown. Uh, so I think the Eagles are going to roll tomorrow. That's kind of where I am with this. I like it. You mentioned Justin Pugh. He's a local kid to hear. I forget he exactly. is. Yeah, because I, I remember when he was coming out of college. So That must be, what, nine, ten years ago. We had him on the show. He was a really nice kid. He, was, he played at Syracuse, as I remember. And right. he talked yeah. about it, really hoping the Eagles drafted him, and they didn't, and the Giants did. And he's yeah, he's never turned into that player. I I believe he was a second-round pick. He never turned into anything special. But anyway. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, they signed him to big dollars, I don't know, three years ago or so, and he hasn't performed with contract. So, yeah, they, I, they struggle on the O-line. They're, they're average at best. Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll see the Eagles roll. Oh, he was a first – excuse me, he was a first-round pick when he came out. Okay. Uh, all right. Do you have an unlikely sports hero for us? Yeah, this is going back. Uh, Glenn, you probably remember Jody. I think you will. Del Unser for the Phillies in 1980. I remember, kind of vaguely, pinch hitter. Jody may remember. I surely remember because uh, Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Sr. once traded for him. Oh. Yes. Del Unser was a Daddy Mac acquisition. Uh, and a very good center fielder, good left-handed bat, good against right-handed pitching, couldn't have left, he saved his life. Uh, so he was your prototypic platoon player, but Unser could play the hell out of center field. Yeah, my sense is that these days, at least the Dell Unser who ended up playing for the Phillies, right? I remember he was with Washington, I think, um, but the Dell Unser who played for the Phillies is a guy who would probably not be in the major leagues these days because he was a pinch-hitting specialist who hit singles. And that's not what the game is now. True, too true. Um, yeah, I'll give him a little bit more credit for some pop. He wasn't just a pure uh, banjo hitter, but uh, would not would pale in comparison to the power hitters we have in the game today, correct? Yes. I don't know what exit velocity he had, but uh, <laughs> it was not, not much. Peter in Westchester wants to talk about tonight's starting pitcher. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I tend to agree with Jody, only uh, only because I, I thought Ricky Vitalico said yesterday, and maybe you guys can check this, that Nola is so much better with five days rest than he is with four days oh, rest. You know what? I have seen, heard, seen that statistic before. Jody, this does buttress your argument. Yes. Just part of it. Outside the box. Now we've, we've gone down the road. I, I will be floored if I sit in front of my TV tonight and, oh, my God, they're going to Ranger. They, they've made the commitment. It's going to be Nola's game. But uh, I I didn't factor that into my line of thinking. But you're right. It buttresses my argument. Okay. Is there any way you guys can check that out? And my other question, only because Jody's there. Jody, what's happening to the Mets? Yeah, how about that? They got smacked around. Scherzer giving up home runs all over the lot last night. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty good collapse. I think, Mac, they were in first place for all but eight days of the entire season, the first couple of days of the year, mm-hmm. and the last two days of the year when the Braves went by them. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty big collapse unless they win two games in a row. 
It sure is. And they then yesterday, the, the, you know, the, the Grom, the great, the, and, and he is great. It's Not the Grom, Scherzer. I mean, Scherzer, excuse me. Pardon me. Scherzer gets batted around, smacked around, and uh, the fans let him have it, which I thought was pretty disrespectful. But, hey, they collapse almost every year, and I enjoy it. Eight. Two on five, five nine two at ninety four ninety four with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack. Now Ben Davis going to join us to talk some Phillies, and we will take your calls as well. Looking forward to talking to Ben on ninety four W I P. One and two on Bryson. Polante ready. Here's the pitch. Swing at a ground ball. Diving. Goldschmidt's got it. Coming home. The throw. It's late. Yes. Sosa with a head first slide. He has scored. And another run is home. Edmundo Sosa just in under the tag of Molina. And it's four to two Phillies in the ninth. Great job by Scott Fransky there. Great job by L.A. Who's you here trying to control his emotion and doing it because it was Fransky's call to make. And it was a terrific moment in a very odd game. Ben Davis, our pal, joins us now. Of course, Ben is a uh, one of the terrific broadcasters on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Unfortunately, Ben, I got to listen to Alex Rodriguez and not Ben Davis, but that's my own gripe. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, I just got done cutting the little guy's hair and uh, just getting ready for his big football game today at 3 o'clock. There you go. Look at yep. Mr. Dad. Okay. Yep, that's good, it. Good for you. So they win yesterday, and they win um, on some fortuitous plays. If you're a Cardinals fan, like, why did Arenado throw home on that play? Uh, you know, guys who don't make errors are making error. Or Goldschmidt throw home on that play. Excuse me. Arenado makes what really was an error that they called a hit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But my question out of this is this. Do you believe in momentum in, uh, well, in anything, but particularly in the postseason? By winning yesterday, what does that mean, if anything, for the Phillies today? Well, I think it definitely gives them some momentum moving forward to, to, to tonight's game at 830. Um, and I think if, if you're a St. Louis Cardinal and you're sitting in that clubhouse after the game and you're thinking, man, we just literally gave that game to the Phillies. And give the Phillies credit. They took it. They took advantage of every opportunity they had, every mistake that the Cardinals made, uh, every walk that Helsley was going to give to them, the hit batters. They took advantage, and that's what good teams do. They take advantage of the other team's mistakes. Um, I think it's going to be awfully tough for that Cardinals team to get back in today and have the mental fortitude to go out there and kind of put yesterday behind them because it is such a short series. If it was a seven-game best of seven, you could see them, okay, you know what, shrug it off, we get them tomorrow. But it's such a short series, it's going to be hard for them to rebound. Ben, one guy I want to give props to, I don't think Glenn or I have done it just yet, and we should, uh, kind of flew under the radar yesterday, was David Robertson. Mm -hmm. Because he comes in in the eighth, the Phillies have lost the lead, Alvarado first time in a month gets victimized, you got to hold the line, and he comes in and gets two Ks and an easy out for the third out that gave them that chance, and momentum is what it is, and we all try and define it, none of us really know what it is, but they did uh, go on to get the sixth spot in the top of the ninth. 
he had not pitched well late in the year. Most everyone, yours truly included, was saying, well, it's either going to be Eflin or Alvarado in a big spot. Well, Robertson stepped into a big spot, a trailing spot, but big. But he did a really nice job for the yesterday. He did an outstanding job. And Rob Thompson addressed that after the game. He said, you know, he said, Robbie threw the ball extremely well, and, and he did. And that is something I think, like you said, he has not been pitching well. He's been walking a lot of guys, and that's not been his M.O. over the years. I think his, his playoff pedigree showed through yesterday, and I think moving forward, this is a great sign for the Phillies because they're going to need him. They're going to need everybody in that bullpen to step up because they have not been throwing the ball great. You're putting too much pressure on the starting pitchers. Uh, but what D-Rob did yesterday was awesome to see. And, again, moving forward, that's a good sign. If he can throw the ball like that, he can get anybody out. I don't care what part of the lineup they're in. Ben Davis is our guest. Ben, so tonight, let's say, and we'll get into Aaron Nolan a little bit, but let's say they have a you know a 3-2 to two lead going into the ninth, and you look at your bullpen if you're Rob Thompson. Eflin, you know, didn't didn't look particularly sharp yesterday. Didn't blow the game, but didn't look great. We know what Sir Anthony's been going to. Robertson pitched well, but pitched yesterday. Do you have a closer tonight? Who's your closer? Well, depending on what part of the lineup they have, I think you have to go back to Alvarado. Um, the way he's been throwing the ball, he didn't throw a ton of pitches yesterday. He had a couple days off, and I think he's going to be your closer. Um, you know, I think he, he just he left the pitch up yesterday. What I really didn't like about the home run was the 3-2 slider or cutter that he threw to Carlson, the hitter before. If I'm throwing 102 with sink, I'm throwing 102 with sink right down the middle, letting him beat it in the ground. I didn't like the, the, the two-out walk, and that's what really kind of got things going. Two-out walks, if anyone listens to any broadcast I've ever done, knows how much I despise that. Uh, he ended up making the one bad pitch to Yepes, took him out of the yard. But it was nice to see the Phillies' offense obviously rebound. But I think you have to go back to, to Alvarado in, that, in the situation. If it is a safe situation today, I think Jose gets the ball. All right, Ben, before we get to uh, Aaron Nola and what we expect him to do against that Cardinal lineup tonight, let's look at Miles Michaelis against the Phillies. His game, his pitches, how do they match up? Is there any potential lineup change right for center field? Like, What do you think they roll out there tonight against Miles Michaelis? I think you're going to see Harper go back to the three-hole and then have JT hit in the four-hole, just basically flip-flop those two in the lineup. Michael does have a very good cutter. He's going to try and throw it up underneath the hands of, of Kyle Schwarber and, 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 and Bryce Harper and Bryson Stott, all the lefties in the lineup. I assume Marsh would be back in there tonight. Yep. He's going to try and throw that cutter up underneath the hands of these lefties. They have to make sure, listen, if it's starting on the inner third, they have to let it go because it ends up being a ball. He's off mixing a, a real slow breaking ball and does have, you know, mid-90s fastball to accompany the other pitches. But he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's fearless out there. Uh, but they have to make sure, the lefties especially, that they don't let him just live inside. They, gotta, they have to get them out of his kitchen. All right, let's talk about Aaron Nola. He was terrific in the uh, game that got him into the playoffs the other day. He's been good in September, but he has also had those Aaron Nola innings, Aaron Nola outings, where it's like he breezes through five, and then all of a sudden, you know, single, something happens, home run. Um, I'm trying to figure out the question I want to ask out of that, which I want to ask more than your level of confidence in him. What have you seen? I'll, I'll put it this way. What have you seen from him in his last few starts that gives you a sense of what he might do tonight? Um, more fastballs, less curveballs, a few more change-ups. He's even mixing in that, that slider, cutter, whatever you want to call it, a little bit more. But I think his, it's his confidence in his fastball that has kind of set him apart in this particular September. Uh, the last outing that he had against the Astros, that's the best pure stuff and command I've ever seen Aaron Nola have. 
And that is, you know, all the years that he's been here, that was the best command I've seen. His fastball, he could hit in that rear end from 60 feet, six inches with that fastball the other day. Uh, the curveball he mixed in as well. The changeup, he used a little bit more than he had in previous starts. That was very good. Uh, Aaron Nola does very well against teams that don't see him a lot because of, that, of, of his ability, A, to throw strikes, and B, to punch your ticket. You know, when he got, first got called up, I just never thought he'd be the strikeout pitcher that he has turned into be. Um, obviously, the Cardinals have not seen him a whole heck of a lot, and I think that, that matches up well for Aaron. I think he's poised to go out there and dominate today. Uh, I think if, if you can get seven innings out of Aaron tonight, Phillies win the ballgame. Yeah. Ben, this is one of the things we can tap into you as a former player, pressure. Before the series started, I said the Phillies are in a good spot because they have very little pressure on them. I know 11 straight years of not making the playoffs, but they did. And then you'd like to see them win, but they're a wild card team. They didn't win a division like the Cardinals did. They had less pressure than the homestanding Cardinals did for me. How much is the pressure now ratcheted up on the Cardinals because of not only losing yesterday's game, but the way they lost yesterday's game? Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't want to go to a game three. Um, I, again, I think the Phillies get it done tonight. Um, but pressure, I think this team and the players on it have taken on the personality of their skipper, Rob Thompson. And Rob is a just – he and I said on the post-game show yesterday, I said, uh, you know, after they interviewed Rob Thompson, I said, he almost smiled. <laughs> he almost smiled. Um, he's a guy that you just don't know if his team won 10 nothing or they lost 10 nothing. Uh, I think the team has really taken on his personality and the fact that they're very business-like. They're professionals out there uh, in the clubhouse and on the field. And I think it's, you know, his demeanor has really rubbed off on Spall Club. This is a very tightly knit group, and one a lot tighter than I've seen it over the past years. Um, they believe in each other. They believe in themselves. And I think it's kind of showing on the field. It's, it's never, it's, you know, pressing the panic button is not in their M.O. right now. Um, I, I, pressure-wise, I don't see them having, I think it's a, if it's anything, it's more of a, an anxious desire to, to compete, I think is more so a better way to put it than, than pressure. I think these guys love playing the game of baseball, and I think it shows. There's a lot of smiles on that bench. There's a lot of high-fiving going on. They're all pulling for each other, and, it, it's, and I think it shows in a, in a win like yesterday. Ben, as always, great stuff. Uh, so wait, you give the kid a haircut or you take the kid for the haircut? No, I give the haircuts. I am, wow. I'm, a, I'm an exceptional barber. I, we going buzz cut here? Or we just pull out the razor and, and mow the lawn, or what are we doing? No, I have a whole set I got for my barber. Um, I've had them for years. I used to cut hair in, in, at Malvern. It was $2 a haircut. And uh, I used to cut all the kids' hairs after school, and I've continued to cut my boys' hairs, all, both of them, you know, their whole lives. I have very few talents, Glenn. I know how to put diesel in my truck, and I know how to cut hair. That's about it. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm very impressed by that. I really yeah. am. I, yeah. Yes. All right. Well, cool. Yeah, so. Well, listen, enjoy the game. I know where you will be tonight, as we all will. And um, always a pleasure to talk to you, Ben. You're the best. Jody and Glenn, thanks for having me. Thanks all for right, having me. Well. Talk to you there soon. There you go. Uh, my wife cuts my hair at this point in my life, Jody. But uh, as you know, that's not really much of a challenge. She takes right. out the – I have an electric razor. She puts on the the one, you know. There's the you have the different uh, things that you put on, like you know, one, two, three, four. Right. The one is the short one, and she just, as I say, mows the lawn. And I come back a month later, she does it again. I still go and get my hair professionally no. cut. Oh yes, not where you in, you used to. When I worked with you back in the day, you used to go back to Yonkers. To Yonkers, and uh, you and I worked together a long time ago. So I I've been going to the same girl for twenty plus years down in. Two people have cut my hair over the last 45 years. 
my guy in Yonkers uh-huh. and my girl here in uh, South Jersey, Debbie. Um, and, oh, by the way, she doesn't like the fact that I refer to my haircuts as my seasonal haircuts because I get four a year. I get one yeah. in the fall, one in the spring, one in the winter, and one in the summer. That's it. I go yeah. in four times a year. She has other clients who live a hair lifestyle, and they come in <laughs> once a week. Yes. Yeah, no, no, no. Debbie, I'll see you in three months, babe. Yeah. Uh, be back come fall. Uh, so that's my haircutting stances these days. That's pretty good. Good for yes. you. All right. That's funny. Let's get uh, Bob and Bethany Beach. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Bob. Hello, fellas. Hey. How are you? Good. Hey, I'm on the beach again, as usual, when I call, and there's no wind, so hopefully it doesn't sound bad on nice. the, on the what's microphone. The, what's the temp out there today in Delaware? Uh, it's about 62. Nice. And there's a fair amount of people walking up and down as gorgeous the sun's out you live the life buddy i gotta tell you well i, I retired and i just listen to you guys and it keeps my day going cool all right so um i only have one percent so my first thing is um when i listen very very few times to network radio or tv they talk about this being a trap game mm-hmm. and i don't think there's any way that this uh, psyche or the mentality of this Eagles team from Sirianni down to Jalen or AJ or any of those guys, let anybody on that team, especially the rookies, think that this is a trap game. So I'll say that to start. Jody, you addressed it earlier. Yeah. Here's, again, uh, let me repeat what I said earlier. There are a couple things in tomorrow's game that we have not seen the Eagles face so far. One of them is a scrambling quarterback. The other one is a trap game. You can say that you don't believe that's going to happen. Nick Sirianni has never had a trap game before. We've never seen them play again. There were no games last year, and surely there haven't been one yet this year, that they were looking ahead to the next week's opponent. Uh, Maybe they handle it with a plum. Maybe they're just great, and it's no factor whatsoever. We haven't. You can't. You can't say it's not happening because they proved it before. They've not had the chance to prove either of those two things yet this year. So the last four games, they had no mentality of being anything other than driving hard. So why would they not drive hard here? Because the Dallas Cowboys weren't the next game for any of the other four games. I don't. They, think... they, they weren't. Were, were they looking ahead to Dougie P showing up at Lincoln Financial Field? I don't, I don't think, think so. They're wired that way. Okay, we'll find out. All right. Who's your unlikely hero? Uh, let's go to fourth and 26, Freddie Mitchell. Ooh, how about them hands? Yeah, well, you're not career a Freddie underachiever. Oh, I mean, he's an unlikely man. hero because he was so bad the rest of the time. <laughs> his first-round pick, man, it was all full of himself. He made three good plays in his career and, and talked about it all the time. Where was he in the Super Bowl? Did, did I ever tell you my Freddie Mitchell story? No, but I can give you mine. But you, your mine is mostly. I guarantee you, Mike. I guarantee you, mine came before yours. Okay. I met Freddie Mitchell when he was seventeen years old. No. Yes. How'd that happen? Very good. Absolutely draftable, and he was drafted a draftable baseball player from Lakeland, Florida, where my father is from. Yeah. And my father was scouting at the time. He was doing pro scouting, not minor league, uh, not high school or college scouting, but had a bunch of buddies that were scout- high school players. As well. And I happened to be down there, and Freddie Mitchell was playing a high school baseball game as a senior, 
And uh, the debate was, is Freddie going to go basketball or uh, uh, baseball? If he is drafted, would he play, uh, skip college? He already had the scholarship to UCLA. He was a better football player than he was a baseball player. He was actually a better basketball player than he was a baseball player as well. The uh, His high school won the state championship in Florida with Freddie as the point guard as a senior. So we went well, maybe a four-mile drive from my father's house to Freddie's high school field and watched him play baseball with a couple of scouts sitting wow. behind home plate when Freddie was still in high school before his hands became what they were. As, uh, he was uh, Chase Utley's college roommate, as I recall. At UCLA, yeah, yeah, yeah he's a, uh, bas- I, He didn't play college basketball at UCLA, but he did play both. Uh, I think baseball and uh, football. By the way, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. We'll be back. We'll take some calls. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Jody, are you going to make a couple college picks for today? I will. And Sweet. oh, by the way, one of yep. them will be. UCLA, since we're talking Ooh. Freddie Mitchell, his uh, former squad, which, by the way, I knew Freddie was full of BS from the day I met him at 17 because he came over to all the college uh, the, uh, baseball scouts. I'm not going to play football. I'm not going to. I, I, I mean, I'm coming out. If you guys draft me high enough, I'm coming. I'm a baseball player. Mm. And, of course, he went on to his football career. So Freddie could lay it on thick even at age 17 when he was a high school stud. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mac now on ninety four. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mac now ninety four WIP. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. We will get to our callers momentarily. Before we do that, it is Saturday. It is fall. The weather is brisk. It's a good time for college football. And my pal, Jody Max, got a couple of picks. All right, I'll give you a couple of uh, college games, one of which is already underway, which isn't going to do anybody good if they want to bet it, but you can do in-game betting now. So um, two of my picks have to do with quarterbacks that I had a close eye on before the season started, Mac, because if the Eagles were going to have to look for a quarterback and Jalen Hurts wasn't having the kind of year that he had, a not top-of-the-draft quarterback because Stroud and uh, the kid from Alabama are probably going to go 1-2 in the upcoming draft, and I don't think, although the Saints are stinking pretty good to start the season, I think the Eagles would have the fourth pick in the draft as of right now if we were to draft. Uh, But a couple of guys that people were talking about as potential first-rounders who both gotten off to lousy starts, and I would pick against both today, one of which is Anthony Richardson from Florida, who has not played well at all. He doesn't look like a first-round pick to me at all. Um, and uh, they're playing Missouri today, who almost beat Georgia last week. Would have been the biggest upset of the college season so far. Georgia rallied late to find a way to win. Uh, but Missouri's not a terrible football team. Um, but I, I'm not a big fan of uh, the quarterback of Georgia, and you're getting 11 points with Missouri today. It's nothing, nothing in the uh, first quarter, about four minutes go. to go. Um, but uh, if you want to get involved in that one, I think 11 is too many to give Missouri. The other guy uh, who was talked up a blue streak, who I really didn't like, at least Richardson, I was open to evaluate. Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback of Miami. Didn't like a little bit, thought he was woefully overrated. He's been so bad he was replaced last week, pulled from the Miami game. 
He's got mm. four touchdowns and three interceptions so far this year. Major overrating coming into the year. They're home today against North Carolina, and here's a name I'll give you to keep an eye on because uh, you don't have to worry about it for at least a year and a half. We get that much more evaluation time of uh, the quarterback of uh, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts. That would be Drake May is Drake the May. North Carolina quarterback who's gotten off to a phenomenal start this year. 19 touchdowns, only one interception, completing about 70% of his passes. North Carolina's got one of the best offenses in college football because of him. They're getting three and a half points at Miami against uh, Tyler Van Dyke, who can't play. Uh, so give me the, uh, the, the Tar Heels plus three and a half. And my last one is, sorry, Freddie Mitchell, I'm going against UCLA. Chip Kelly is undefeated so far this year. Yeah. This is their biggest test. They got Utah coming in. Utah got upset by Florida first week of the season, but have ripped off four consecutive impressive wins. They're a three-point favorite on the road today. I think Utah goes in and beats UCLA by at least a touchdown, so I'll take the Utes minus three against the Bruins. There you go. Give me that great Jody uh, Mac. uh, uh Sign off line on that. Um, bet with your head, not over it. That's good. <laughs> I hope oh, you're. Uh, hope you're cashing them, not trashing them. Love that. Always love that. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, apropos of nothing, so I I don't have a, a college team. The 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 school where I went to college ended up d- d- disbanding its football team, which nobody watched when I went there anyway. Um, so I've never had a college team to which I have a strong alliance. I don't know if the University of Albany Greyhounds has the Great Danes. Uh, Great Danes, excuse me, that's better. Uh, Great Danes. Excuse they, me. Hey, they jumped up their Division One now. They only got beat by Baylor. They played a TV uh, uh, paycheck game only to start the year. Yeah, uh, against Baylor, they only lost by sixty. No, <laughs> how are they doing otherwise? Uh, in their own little league, I think they're okay, but uh, they they took a D1? major major television game to start yeah. the season against yeah. Baylor. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's favorite homecoming opponent. But anyway, uh, listen, I went to Boston University, and they just disbanded the team, which was interesting because my son was there. He was had the marching band, and they had a marching band, but no football team. A lot of hockey. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I always kind of liked UCLA just from when I was a kid just because, like, when I was 9 or 10, they had a really good team and went to a bowl, and they had cool uniforms, and I forget who the Gary Beeb, and I forget who the players were, but I liked them. And so I always just, in a... Like, didn't care that much, but always rooted for UCLA. Can't do that with Chip. Cannot root for Chip. Yeah, no. Um, question, and I think I've got this right, but I correct me if I'm wrong. Mark Harmon? Yeah. Was he the UCLA, was he a UCLA guy? I know I he's a he former college football quarterback yeah. and became Jethro Gibbs on NCIS uh, for, shoot, he did about 15 years before they just uh, wrote him out of the show or he retired from the show. But uh, I think he was a UCLA quarterback. He was on St. Elsewhere before he was, before he was that. Okay. Which yeah. I, which I remember. Yeah. He was, he was a, uh, he was a Bruin. Yeah, I, I thought maybe he was the guy you, because uh, I think that's the same time frame we're talking about. Oh, here. wait a second. No, he wasn't. He was Cal. Cal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got UCLA. And he was Cal a golden was... bear. Gotcha. My bad. No, wait a second. No, I'm wrong again. He was Purdue? a UCLA Bruin. No, he was a Bruin. I thought he was yes, a Bruin. Yes, it said University of California, so I thought it was Cal, but it was comma Los Angeles. And yeah, that would have been when I was a teenager. Yeah. That is correct. So, yes, I did Well, did you know you'd be rooting for Jethro Gibbs? 
There you go. I believe Pepper Rogers was the co- was the coach back in those days. Oh, anyway. I remember Pepper. Yeah, he was a good coach. Yeah, there you go. All right, Scott in Landenberg is with us. Hey, Scott. Hey guys. Uh, anyone who says they saw Jalen Hurts' success coming, I don't think is telling the truth. His success this year has been amazing, and we are so so lucky to have him. Props to Howie. Yeah, well, I, I think you're half right. I think that a lot of people thought Jalen Hurts was going to have a big improvement this year and establish himself as the quarterback. What he has done in the first four games, I'm sure, is beyond most people's expectations. And by the way, very much helped. You you mentioned Howie, very much helped by the people they put around him. Agreed. Okay. Hey, I got an unexpected unsung hero. Yeah. An all-timer, I think. He gave us a college basketball championship, and in the finals, he had a career-high 20 points and actually set the record for the most bench points in a championship win, and that's Villanova's Phil Booth. I was waiting for Phil Booth. I think that's a pretty good one. I don't know that it's going to resonate with our uh, Chief Justice, Kyle Quinn, today, but it's a pretty good one. Jody, you know, the thing with Hurts and the Eagles play against Arizona tomorrow and Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray in the offseason signed that amazing, it was like five years, 200 million more or less, right? Yeah, 230. Yeah, okay. As you said, the Eagles have a year and a half, but really the decision has to be made before that. Uh, Enjoy this rookie contract and all of the things that you can do around it, you know, signing a Bradbury, trading for uh, A.J. Brown, doing all those things, because once he signs that next contract, money's going to be tight. Absolutely. And I, like you, kind of uh, I, I disagree with the uh, way the caller made his point. No one saw this coming. Well, no. There were people who said it had no chance of happening. That this is a mistake the Eagles make because going forward, they should have gotten a quarter. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Oh, there were a bunch of those. Yes, I'm, I'm pleased to not be in that group. You and I both. And there were those of us who said, let's continue with the evaluative process. Can it happen? Maybe. Might it not happen? Maybe. To me, it was absolutely in the gray area of maybe coming yeah, into this offseason, not I know he's going to become a top-five quarterback. Yeah, nobody said that. But there were a whole bunch of people who said, this guy's got no chance, he's not accurate enough, you can't improve your accuracy. Oh, there were a lot of those, but there were very few who said, yeah, or he's going to be immediately jumping and vaulting into the top-five next year. But the way the call stated made it sound like right. everybody thought this had no chance of working the way that it's worked. Absolutely correct. And I, I think you and I were in the same thing, which is seeing a lot of things that I like, not quite sure. The good news is we get another year before we have to decide. Didn't want to trade. Oh, God, Russell Wilson. Boy, does he look oh, hooked. Man. Yeah, he looks like McNabb at the end. Um, didn't want to trade. Who was the other name you mentioned? Oh, uh, Deshaun Watson. They yeah. absolutely. Oh, no, no. Wanted no part of that. Thank goodness. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, well, we get another year hurts. And if it doesn't work out, you got those draft picks. Hey, guess what? It's worked out great. So there you go. Okay. Who we got here? Let's go to John and Maniunk. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, guys. What's going on? We're good. Hey, another, another great UCLA name is I always thought he was a great linebacker for the Eagles, Jerry Robinson. 
Yeah, first round like, pick. Uh, he was he was the last linebacker they yep. have taken in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he so. was a good player. I think he was kind of underrated. But mm-hmm. uh, on Jody, you were talking about uh, you want to Ranger Suarez to pitch tonight. But yes. I was listening to Angelo earlier this week, and um, yeah, Todd Zaleski. You know, he's a good baseball writer, saying that the uh, Cardinals really eat left-handers alive. So. I don't know about that. Not, not, not okay, of then, then I would ask you a question. What okay. happens if the Phillies lose today? Good point. Good it, point. Rangers going to pitch one of these two games, right? Ranger uh-huh. is going to pitch. Now, if, if Nola goes out and wins, boom, done. Thank you very much. We move on to the next round. But if you're so afraid of the Cardinals' right-handed bats against the left-handed pitcher, you want them going game three when it's all on the line? That's true. Yeah, one thing, uh, the only thing that worries me about Nola tonight is he's a Louisiana kid. I think it's going to be a little cold out there. I, I know I'm, like, overthinking it, but I don't know. It might affect him a little bit tonight. He does. He pitches. That's a good point. Uh, how many games have we seen Aaron Nola pitch with the sweat coming off the back of his uh, cap, Mac, man? 90-degree, uh, yeah. middle-of-the-summer heated games where it just looks like it's work to be out there, and he's pitched famously. He, he is one of those weather guys who pitches much better when it's hot. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I had a guy for you here. I don't know if it's going to win, but I know we're not allowed to mention uh, Nick Foles, but the man who threw the pass in Philly, Philly, Trey Burton. Ooh. Love Trey Burton. Not bad. That is good. Yeah. It's not bad. And by the way, he was a very nice guy. I did a charity thing with him when he was here, and he's just uh, he was he was one of these guys who recognized how excited fans get to see a player, right? And he was right. not a big time player, which is kind of the point. And he just, you know, you know the ones who just get it yep. and are just nice to people. And Trey Burton was one of those guys. And uh, that is a play, and you're right. Uh, Nick Nick is much more remembered than Trey Burton was, and he should be because he was the quarterback that uh, led them to the victory. But that's one of the most iconic plays in Philadelphia Eagle history. Yeah, so uh, Trey it. Burton played a huge part on it. He was in it. Yep. So we had, we had uh, Corey Clement, Trey Burton, and Nick Foles is disqualified. So we've, we've covered that one. <laughs> yes, we have. Let's sneak in Jake here before the break. Hello, Jake. Hey, guys, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. You got mm-hmm. it. So I was curious if you could speculate, how much of a strategic exa- uh, advantage is it to have Edmundo Sosa on our team after he spent most of the year with the Cardinals? I'm particularly thinking about his base running last night, knowing those arms, knowing how much time he had. I mean, how far does that extend? I would say not much, Mac. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Better, he, better. he was just going to run. <laughs> Yeah, better better for uh, knowing what the pitchers are going to pitch. I, I can't say. Oh, he knew Goldschmidt was going to double clutch on that play to home. <laughs> I, I kind of doubt that. So uh, thank you very much sure uh, for for uh, doing what you did, but I don't think it came because of cardinal knowledge. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and then my answer for the unsung here, unexpected here, would be uh, Michael Layton in the, uh, the, oh, the Flyers finals oh, run. Please. Oh God! Now, now you're now you're just trying to hurt me, aren't you? Michael Look, I was Layton. Say Nick Foles because I didn't hear that. Jake, you know what I remember Michael Layton for? <laughs> Game five. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Michael Layton. Oh, yeah. Jake, you've ruined my day. Thank well, you. He, I'm sorry. I just let Jake. Go. He, he helped them get there. I is the, the point that he's I trying you know, to make. 
he came up kind of small in a big spot. Yes. I'll give you that. But yes. he, he was an unexpected contributor to a team that made it to a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, how'd that end? And it was poor, yes. <laughs> there, there's no other way around the fact that the ending was poor. People who have listened to me over the years know my disdain for Michael Layton, who, by the way, is that it's not a personal thing. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Uh, but uh, God, never I just... did a charity thing with him the way you did with Trey. No, Trey. but I, I did once buy him a drink at a, at uh, <laughs> a steakhouse because he came in and he was sitting there, and I was just you know with either his wife or his date or whatever, and I was with a group of people. So, like, hey, Glenn, is your favorite player, Michael Layton? <laughs> Uh, I was at Del Frisco's, and he, really, he, yes, and he was there, and and people were oh. teasing me because he was there, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to send him over a drink. So that's, that's so, it. That's so funny because the last time I was in Del Frisco's, I think it was my wife's anniversary. Um, so my daughter came with well, your us. Your wife's and, anniversary. Uh, my wife's anniversary. Yeah, yeah. She's, were you part of that? Uh, yes, uh, okay. I picked up the check. For both my wife and my daughter, we invited my daughter because she's uh, living yeah. in Philly. Uh, so she came with us at Great Dinner. God, Del Frisco's is a phenomenal restaurant. Sitting two tables over from us was a bunch of Colorado Avalanche players. Oh, yeah. And I didn't recognize any of them. I'll be 100% honest. But at the time, my daughter was working for the MLB Network, which means in part you work for the NHL Network because mm -hmm. they work out of the same building and you do work for both. She was more baseball than hockey, but had some hockey responsibilities. And she recognized the guys. Sweet. I didn't. I'm a friggin' sports talk show host. I'm supposed to be able to pick these guys out of a, but they're the Colorado Avalanche. So she goes, Dad, do you know who this is? So, yeah, it's, I guess hockey players like Del Frisco's. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably, well, Del Frisco's is pretty good. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, hockey players, uh, specifically in general, everybody likes Del Frisco's. Mm -hmm. Two on five, five, nine, two, 94, 94 with Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack. Now fall is in full swing. The leaves are changing. Everybody's bringing out the comfy sweaters. Gone are the days of blasting your car's AC. Listen, the weather's getting colder, but the sales at United Tire remain hot. Right now, get unbeatable pricing on all the major brands like Michelin, Goodyear, and Continental. Stop by your local United Tire today for more details. Say so. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Jody, you and I get to do this again tomorrow. Looking forward to it, big guy. 10 to 1, and then I have uh, Countdown to Kickoff 1 to 2, and then I got the pregame from 2 to 4 20, so. Uh, yeah, six hours and 20 minutes of radio tomorrow, <laughs> followed by a rehearsal for the play that I'm in, Jody. Now, wait I, a minute. The, the Eagles are playing. I hope you're rehearsing no, after the rehearsal. Seven. Well, the rehearsal starts at 7. So okay. All right. I may, I'm going to have to catch the end of the Eagles game there. But, yes, then the game, and then I got rehearsal. Jody, you got to come out and see me a clue in this Swarthmore Players Club. Damn, you got a long day tomorrow. I do. Holy I do. mackerel. Yeah. By the way, I'm just going to give a plug for that. I'm in the play Clue at the Swarthmore Players Club. I am Colonel Mustard. It runs from October 21st through November 5th. It's very, very funny. The other people in it are way more talented than I am. Uh, and you can get tickets at PCS, which is Players Club of Swarthmore, PCSTheater.org. And there is a scene in the play, Jody, where you need an announcer on the radio to, to have something. You know, he's not yes. there. But, and you know who I got for that? Not One, me. Thank you very much. 1A Cataldi. Oh, really? With a little help from Joe Conklin. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I hope people come right, out and see. I see where you're going there. Quick question on that. Yeah. Who's the director? 
It is not Anthony Sanfilippo, who has done some shows I've been in, who's a terrific director. Right. Uh, who we know as a producer of ours back in the day and is now, uh, he's all kinds of things, including a terrific writer uh, and podcaster for Crossing Broad. Uh, but no, this is a guy named Mike Sokolowski, uh, who you wouldn't know, but he is equally talented. But um, is is there a woman co-director or assistant director? Or? There is, a, yeah. Please, Ashley? Why, please why you... send her my regards because my daughter says she's a great boss. Oh, really? Yeah. Does she work okay. for Comcast? Well, I know who you're talking about. Yes. How about that? Well, yes. there you go. One more reason my, for you to come and see me, Jody. That's what my daughter said yesterday. We've got to go to this yeah. play because yeah. her her boss is involved, and she's, uh, yeah. she loves her job, and she loves her boss. And she said, then uh, Glenn's starting this thing, so you and I got to get out to the play, Dad. Please Dad. do. So I'm planning on it, yes. Oh, I would love you to come out. And then you can do for what we're watching, and you can rip me. Yes. Uh, okay. It will, will be my pleasure. All right. Let's get a, <laughs> get a couple of quick calls. Dan in Port Richmond, you're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. I'm a big fan from Mac and Mac days and uh, Jody. I go back to the uh, days of Do Me a Favor, yes. and I swear by your Johnson theory. I think our Johnson's injured. <laughs> no, one Johnson in, one Johnson out. Oh. Yes. And, 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 and Glenn? I would ma- I would nail you more for a Professor Plum than a Colonel Mustard. Well, but appreciate that. Take, <laughs> but my my theory on my my point on the whole trap game thing is, I think Sirianni has these guys this whole dog mentality. A dog only looks at focuses on what's in front of it. You put a bowl of food out, that's all that dog sees. And I think he truly keeps that focused more than any other, um, you know, any other coach I've seen. So I think that they're focused tomorrow. They don't look at the Cowboys until they move on from whatever the result is tomorrow. Well... I mean, I don't know. You always yeah. like to believe that. I'll, yeah, I'll repeat the point that I made earlier, Glenn. I hope that's the case. And I think Sirianni does have a really good grasp on his locker room. We've never faced this before. And when I say we, I mean the Nick Sirianni Eagles, which he took over at the beginning of last year to today. They've never had a game you would look at and go, ooh, could this could be a look-ahead game? Could this be a trap game? They've never had it. So we don't know if he's good dealing with it. We'll find out tomorrow. After tomorrow, we'll be able to say, and the Eagles faced their first trap game and went out to Arizona and beat the Cardinals by double digits the way they were supposed to. He had the same dog mentality last year when they got off to a 2-5 and five start. So it's something, I think, yet to be determined. Yeah. And my hero? Yeah. The greatest, and I hope it hasn't been mentioned, I've been in and out, and I'm glad I'm going to intentionally mispronounce the name because I watched it when his name was announced. Vince Papale. Uh, is that how they announced it? <laughs> Vince Papale is pretty good. Uh, he was more an underdog than a guy who's remembered for one great moment, but, yeah, always, always worth mentioning, Vince. Sure. All right, real quick. 
Vincent Wilmington, I know you've been holding. We're low on time. Just give me your unlikely hero. Okay, uh, Matt Stairs. It's been mentioned. All right, let us go back to our producer, Kyle Quinn. Kyle, what did we forget to talk about today? All right, I got a few things for you here. I wanted to bring this up first because I saw it on uh, the NFL Network this morning. Really great story. Uh, Commander's running back Brian Robinson was activated today, six weeks after being shot twice in the leg. That's just unbelievable to me. And really happy for the guy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, obviously we do not root for the commanders in this town, but that is certainly, it's it's a great comeback story, and I root for that guy to have a good and successful career, other than twice a season. <laughs> yes. All right, I'm yeah. with you on that one. Uh, little weird news out of basketball yesterday, and then we got a video of it, mm-hmm. I think today or this morning, but man, Draymond Green threw a haymaker at teammate Jordan Poole during practice, and uh, he, he put him down, man. What is the deal with that? Yeah, Jody, did you see that? Yes. That was oh, it only had, only had like a million views on Twitter in an hour and change after it leaked out. Uh, and my guess is... It'll be swept under the rug the same way that uh, Aaron Donald swinging a helmet as a weapon has been swept under the rug in the National Football Because he's so good. Because it's up to the Warriors to discipline him because it happened in practice, not during a game. So the league has to try and twist the team's arm, and the team's going to say, we'll we'll fine him. Uh, There'll be no suspension because they – and, oh, by the way, he'd be suspended for the first game – which is championship banner night uh, when they yeah. get their rings and hang their banners, the champions of the NBA. Yeah, Draymond's not going to miss that. I suspect the person who's going to lose their job over that is the person when they figure out who gave that to TMZ. Well, gave is not the word because that person got a lot of money for it. All right, one more. <laughs> All right, uh, one more. This is an interesting thing out of the world of baseball here because the uh, judge record happened and then the Pujol 700 home runs happened, but Pujols is 703rd home run. Uh, turns out to be the final home run that Pujols will ever hit in the regular season. Now, this guy caught it, but he made a grave mistake. He left the stadium without getting the ball authenticated, and now he can't. The MLB will not authenticate a ball that has left the stadium. So uh, all the value of that 703rd home run down the tubes. Ouch. Yeah. Don't know what it would be worth. They set the judge ball. They estimate it's worth several million dollars. Uh, so this is Pujols' last, I mean, at minimum hundreds of thousands, right? I would think so, yeah. Ew. That stinks. <laughs> Tough wow. break for that guy. Yeah. Hey, you know, sometimes you want to be traffic, but that was a really bad move. <laughs> and tell that to the Cardinal fans leaving yesterday's game. <laughs> oh, we want to see that again tonight, Jody Mack. Yes. I we will do. be in front of my TV watching and rooting for Aaron Nola to make me look like a fool for suggesting that Ranger Suarez pitched tonight's game. Well, you won't look like a fool if they win. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll win. And you and I will get the opportunity to talk about it tomorrow. Hey, Kyle Quinn, who yeah. is the uh, who's the winner? All right, I was between two, and I was looking for something to tip the scales in one favor or the other. And I was between Corey Clement, or Corey Clement and uh, Matt Stairs, but Corey Clement's a Cowboys fan, so. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.